again to You Know Nothing, John Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, before we, we begin, uh, please note that next week we will have one more episode, so don't expect this to be the last episode, as some folks uh, originally thought, because we do a wrap-up of this whole season as the final episode of the season. However, uh, we discuss Game of Thrones each episode of the series, and this will uh, discuss uh, the latest episode. But before we uh, uh, get into any more information on that stuff, uh, we had to do a couple of house cleaning things. Uh, Eric, you do another podcast with your buddy Dan. Why don't let folks know about that? They may be curious to listen. It's a general interest podcast called the Askancity Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it on Stitcher and in the iTunes Store. And Mike, you uh, do a genre blog. I want to let folks know a little bit about that. Um, it's it's uh, Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com, where I muse on whatever happens to cross my mind. Uh, if I haven't already discussed myself out of it during a podcast, um, and the most recent was going over the uh, was a, probably four or five part series over our appearance at Scaricon in New England. Yep, that's true. And uh, Eric, you do a third podcast with uh, myself and Mike. What do folks know about that? Uh, that is the uh, the the original podcast that this was spun off of, Dark Discussions. Your place for the discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Uh, you can catch us there every week for the Dark Discussions podcast. This podcast also appears in this in that feed, although we do have our own independent feed for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, and as far as communication goes, you can use all the Dark Discussions channels to get a hold of us. So you can send an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And you can find us on the Facebook group. I added, oh, the website. That's what I'm forgetting. Darkdiscussions.com. You can find all sorts of stuff there, including every episode of this podcast as well as Dark Discussions. Exactly. And, uh, Mike, um, why don't you uh, let people know uh, something about the T-shirts? This, this will probably be the last time we, we announce the T-shirts because they end – on sale shortly, but uh, why don't you go ahead and let folks know? Yeah, well, there's a good chance if you're listening to this that the deadline has already passed, but we have been selling T-shirts for the Dark Discussions podcast. They're 22 bucks, a little bit large, uh, more for those of us of wider girth, um, or just more muscle mass, right, Eric? That's right, right. That's muscle, muscle. Yeah. all muscle, uh, just of a different shape. Don't judge. And, it's jiggly muscle. Right. It goes from uh, uh, youth extra small all the way up to 4XL. Uh, there's a black skull design, a white little dog. Listen to uh, Little Dogs Love Dark Discussions design. Uh, and those are on sale until, I believe, the end of the day, June 30th. Um, so if you want to get an order in, please get an order in. Uh, again, there's a good chance by the time you listen to this, it'll be passed. But we've made this announcement before. So if you're interested, please let us know. Please please try. We may end up having some extras. We'll see. Uh, but that's what that is. And then there will be other ways to support the podcast from that point on. Uh, and maybe Phil has something he wants to say about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, well, first off, Mike may uh, let us know later that we may do a Game of Thrones t-shirt. But I'm not sure if we're going to do it now or in the future meaning next season but we'll, we'll discuss or you'll you know just keep on listening but uh right now we have uh, a couple things going on uh, i'll explain one eric will explain the other uh the first is a uh, patreon patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n 
facebook.com, uh, which is on the Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast, the same uh, group for John Snow, and also darkdiscussions.com. Uh, again, as Eric said, uh, that's the website for Dark Discussions, as well as You Know Nothing, John Snow. And there are links from both. Uh, basically, patreon.com backslash dark discussions. Uh, basically, they allow you, the listeners, to donate money to the podcast. Uh, again, the only reason we're uh, asking, this has been a long time, it's been over five years, and we've never asked for any money at all, but we figured now that we're doing conventions, uh, we're heading down to Scares at Care, we went to ScareCon, uh, we're doing a number of um, um, prizes and things of that nature that are coming up, as well as uh, just the everyday uh, costs of the website and uh, renting and watching things because we are not a torrent site. Everything we do is on the record by the book. Uh, so we purchase, buy, rent, or go to the theaters uh, when we do our reviews, whether Dark Discussions or Game of Thrones. And um, so you can donate any amount of money, $1 to infinity, and there are rewards for depending on how much you want to donate monthly. Uh, so if you donate a dollar, uh, we are gratefully appreciated, and we announce your name on the podcast, and that would be, so far, Michelle Barkley, a uh, listener from Pennsylvania, and uh, David Michael Farley, uh, which I, I'm not sure where he's from, but he's a, a contributor on the Facebook group, and we appreciate uh, both of them for donating. Uh, any amount helps. And uh, you can go on to, to the Patreon page to see the rewards. We will allow uh, some of the rewards are where you get to choose topics for the shows. Um, now, Eric, uh, we have uh, a calendar we're doing, right? We do. <laughs> Basically, we're, we're running a calendar uh, where we're collecting art from any listeners of Game of Thrones podcast of the Dark Discussions podcast, uh, so genre and horror and fantasy stuff, where artists who are out there who want to donate art for the calendar, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly uh, promote each and every uh, person who donates uh, for the calendar. Uh, basically, it's a calendar, 12 months, 14 pictures, so uh, 12 for each month of the year, or, or one picture for each month of the year, plus a cover and a back cover. Uh, we're willing to do multiple um, entry, so if folks want to give more than one, uh, you can do two months or the cover plus one of the months and whatnot. Uh, so far, we have about five people that uh, are participating, but so we do have some openings, and uh, basically what it is is uh, we'll have them uh, out near the end of the year. Uh, the calendar will also have important dates and genre from things like when uh, J.R.R. Tolkien released uh, the Hobbit to uh, when uh, Wes Craven was born and things of that nature. So uh, anything that you want to donate, just email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com and we can get you on board to help and participate in the calendar. Uh, anything uh, at all, we would greatly appreciate it because uh, it, we're thinking of using it as a fundraiser for the end of the year. So uh, fans, yeah, go on, Mike. Yeah, and if you're creative or crafty in any way, not necessarily a quote-unquote artist, a traditional artist, uh, like we have Michelle Barkley as a baker, and she's going to bake something, hopefully not like a strawberry shortcake, but she's going to do something, then take a picture of it, and we can use that for one of the pictures. So if you do art in other ways, you know, and you want to share that and take a picture of it, um, 
then that would be awesome too. You know, so there's lots of ways to do this beyond just painting, drawing, um, you know, whatever it is. If you have a way to to contribute in that way, that would be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Did I make myself clear? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, Eric, uh, just a, uh, one last thing we want to uh, talk about before we get into the Game of Thrones things, and uh, I mentioned it kind of in passing, but uh, Scares that Care? Yes, we will be at the Scares the Care uh, Weekend Chapter 3 in Williamsburg, Virginia on July 22nd through July 24th. Scares the Care is a uh, not-for-profit organization that raises money for burn victims, uh, breast cancer victims, and children who are suffering from illness. Uh, so we'll be down there participating in that event, uh, having lots of fun, hopefully meeting some listeners uh, and trying to raise some money for a great cause. Yep, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's get into uh, Game of Thrones. I do have some Game of Thrones news. I, I did read that I've discovered that the reason next season will only be around seven episodes instead of the regular ten has nothing to do with speeding up the story or um, for you know anything of that nature or anything like that. But basically what it is is they want to use the money that is given per season for the show and less episodes because then they can spend more money per episode. So even though uh, it will speed up things just for the fact that there's only going to be seven episodes instead of ten, the real reason for that uh, it was announced was so each episode would have more money uh, and more of a budget. So uh, that's, no, that's what I heard. I'm sure that's part of it, but also I think they just also – written it already because i've been hearing for months that there are 13 episodes left however they're going to do that um so i think they're dividing it into a season of seven episodes next year and a season of six episodes for the final season uh and i'm sure that they will get more money per episode because of that um but i don't think it's necessarily the sole reason they're doing it i think it also just happens to be the way the story laid out i'm also going to guess that they had to I'm going to assume that what's happening as the the big finale is building up, they really need to figure it out and coordinate everything and plan for budgetary purposes, scheduling purposes, and so forth. So while I doubt they have the actual scripts written beginning to end, I'm sure they have the major beats blocked out, um, and that'll that'll carry that way. Just planning to save them the hassle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so. Um a number of reasons it appears that uh, could be pointed out, and uh, both Eric and Mike, uh, along with uh, what I read, um, pretty much all makes sense to me. Um, of course, it's unfortunate because everybody wants more Game of Thrones, but since they're going to be uh, the way they are, maybe they'll be even better Game of Thrones, even though how can you get much better because Game of Thrones is awesome anyway. Um I do I do have a, a couple of emails here. I think a couple. Uh, it's definitely one. Let me check. Uh, yeah, one. Definitely one. All right. Yeah, because some of them are are dark discussions ones for for later. But here's here's the the uh, uh, one that we got, uh, and this one's called uh, uh, "You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, Episode Ten: Winds of Winter" uh, from a listener named uh, Sean Fox who I believe is from uh, Alberta, Canada. Actually, I don't know. Yes. Lo- yeah. Long-time Dark Discussions listener. Indeed, indeed. Yep. All right, and uh, here he goes. Uh, this is what he has to say. Uh, 
Uh, well, hello, gang. Another season ends, and as Phil corrected me, this is only the second last episode of your GOT podcast with the season in review next week. Oh, there you go. Still, it is hard knowing we will be going back to only one show per week of Dark Discussions. Awesomeness. I am very glad you guys have added the Patreon to your website. and can't for, for my payday this Thursday so I can get my donation in for your hard work. It was a very, very intriguing episode, and starting the opening title, seeing the Stark banner back in place in Winterfell sent chills down my spine. But I remember Elizabeth Catherine Gray, uh, another member of our Facebook group, proth- and I believe she's a, a podcaster as well, uh, prophesizing on Facebook what came next, and I shook my fists to the Lord of Light, seeing the opening sequence with Dawn high-lighted. Stupid, <laughs> lousy Dawn. And, and he goes LOL as well, Eric. Um, oh. On cue, Eric. On cue. Excellent job. Uh, the King's Landing music alone left me with concern for just how the Nuka Mall plan would come to pass. Seeing Cersei in her near-death queen garb gave me inklings things would not go well. The whole sequence with Loras giving up everything under the months of torture was another stroke in the kill, the sparrow column, and take any religious fanatic with him. Watching Lancel in his arrogant, sparrow, fanatic manner follow the creepy little kid was going to lead to some bloody or burny or some time, or, or both. Uh, Quiburn's machinations to kill Master Pycelle was creepy as all hell. Um, let's see, well, uh, actually, all, it was creepy as all H-E double hockey stick. Okay, I always screw that up, Eric. <laughs> Uh, all hell, as the stabby little tykes channeled the children of the con vibe. Mike, I apologize for saying just before the start of the season that you were Master Pycelle. I don't want you stabbed by creepy-ass kids. You deserve such a more honorable passing, but... Oh, that's it, sweet. <laughs> but the irony of it is sort of funny. Uh, Mike is a school teacher for folks who uh, don't know. Uh, the time spent in the tower as Marjorie was beginning to clue in that Cersei's was up to something and that mm-hmm. it would not end well for those in attendance, only to be balked by the sparrow committing his last great sin of pride was actually quite tragic. Realizing that Marjorie and everyone in the tower were now at an end as the wildfire nuked them all and no way to save Marjorie, the Tyrells or anyone in the tower and the vicinity did pull at the heartstrings. More innocent, or maybe not as innocent, blood being sacrificed in the name of the throne. The music and choir singing used all along the whole sequence, making it, at least for me, all the more masterful and cataclysmic. Seeing Tommen jump to his death was a nice touch to keep the prophecy for Cersei and be her ultimate price for taking the crown and throne she has always craved and loved more than anything in anyone. The scariest part is watching Cersei, the true Cersei, have no remorse and no regret even in the death of her son, and that her clinging to power and wielding it are much more important to her than anyone, including her children and Jamie. The torture of shame lady seemed fully in line with Cersei in every way, and having the mountain as her new god made me twinge. But, aside from all that, this, the true tragedy is knowing the bland snakes were not in attendance. I don't need a story reason for them to be there, but to have them continue on in this story while Marjorie is now gone is the truest, deepest, and most heretical tragedy of all. Yes, 
<laughs> it was nice to see Elena make mockeries of the bland snakes. It is just too bad she couldn't have them die along with whatever plans she they have for Cersei's. It is sad knowing Marjorie is gone, and for you, Phil, I shall drink a Canadian beer and pour out a little liqueur liquor in honor of both Marjorie's <laughs> passing and your sadness and her beauty being extinguished, or should I say going up in a blaze of hellish green fire. Alright, see here. Alright, we'll uh, read more of it as we get into the other scenes uh, because it's a very long email. Uh, so, I say, if we keep reading this email, there's no reason to do an episode. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to we'll wait and read the rest after. Um, so, uh, any, any further things anybody has about Dark Game of Thrones that uh, you want to bring up before we, we start talking about the episodes, and we'll probably start where Sean uh, began, which was actually the beginning of the sh- show anyway. Yes. Yeah, first um, of all, I'm, I'm, I far more resemble Varys than <laughs> than I do Pycelle, although my, my knees and flat feet are getting me to walk a little bit more like him. Mike, I would, I would say you are more in line of Sam, because he but has, I am definitely yeah, much more Sammy. Hair. Yeah, he, yeah. he has hair and all that. I mean, and you have balls and a cock. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, you found that out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't check, but that's a fair point, Eric. Good point. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, and yeah, but as far as. Dangerous old children go. Again, for those who don't know, I had somebody go up the river for attempted murder this year. So, uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Um, Eric, you have any uh, other thoughts on uh, what Sean, uh, Sean had to say, at least at this part of the episode, or uh, Game of Thrones uh, generic information? Uh, not so much on the generic information. Um, I agree with a lot of what Sean had to say, and we'll get into it. All right, so uh, let's uh, discuss this episode. Uh, let me bring up some of the the details of the episode. Uh, there is some good things about it uh, because I get to say Miguel Sapochnik. Dude, I like him. He, he, he is directed good. my two favorite episodes this season, and he and he directed probably at least one of them last season too in Homehead or whatever it's called. Home hard, hard, hard home. Yep. All right. Uh, money, putting money down that he'll be getting a feature to direct within the next two years. I'm not taking that bet because I agree. That's right. Exactly. Same here. Um, he uh, and it was written by uh, uh, the Double Ds themselves, uh, uh, Weiss and Benny Hoff. Benny Hoff. Benny Hoff. So uh, that's all the information we got. So uh, season finale. Uh, the what is it? The Walk of Winter or the Wards of Winter? Anybody? Winds of winter. Oh, winds, winds of winter. Winds of winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it was a W. So walk, wind, which is also, whatever. I believe, going to be the title of the next book once it's finally published. Exactly, uh, Eric. What do you mean when it's finally published? You actually believe it? I mean, I believe it will be published someday. Yes. Maybe so. Posthumously, <laughs> maybe. But it's... Yeah, yeah, uh, partly written by George R. R. Martin and picked up by some unknown author to finish it for him. I think I think it's pretty much done. Um, they're they're just. Uh, I, I think he has one of those. Uh, yeah, he has one of those OCD things going where he has to edit like twenty times because he'd... he's particular. Let's just leave it at that. There Did you go. see the uh, thing where he was on on stage with Stephen King and? Basically asked yeah. him, how the hell do you write so fast? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> no, I missed that. 
Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, just search for that on the internet, and it'll pop up. Yeah, it was. I guess it was a interview uh, on stage. Him and King, uh, you know, two of the more prominent genre authors of today, and and it was a funny one liner. Um, now, uh, all right, let's get into this episode. So, uh, let's t- talk about what we thought of it. Uh, Mike, what did you think of this episode? By the way, um, fantastic episode. I probably liked it more even than last week's, and there are other issues we can talk about that people brought up as negative, but you basically paid off most of the storylines for this season and set the table up for next season and cleared away a lot of miscellaneous crap. Um, As my wife pointed out, and I'm sure many, many, many other people have pointed out, you have now flipped the gender uh, power structure and that everywhere except perhaps the North, you have women in power. Yeah, uh, Joanna Robinson actually wrote an article about that for Vanity Fair. Um, yeah, now that- almost, almost every every review uh, uh, last night and then uh, Rotten Tomatoes this morning they, where they listed all the reviews, uh, almost every one of them brought up that point about um, women in power basically. So. However, just because they're women doesn't necessarily mean they're better, because if you notice, we had a lot of asshole males in power, and now we have a lot of bitchy females in power. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, Well, that's just it, how it but, is but, in real yeah, life. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's, I mean, it's, not, people, right? it's not as if everyone's like, oh, there'll be wonderful times now that women are running things. No. Male, female, people suck. Yeah, exactly. yeah just because you got rid of Joffrey and... Uh, and, and, and Ramsey. Ramsey doesn't mean that there's all wonderful things. Um, in fact, I think we could point to some probably decent guys who lost their their, their thrones too. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, it's it, this is something that's an interesting twist, and some people are trying to say that this is their response to season five. I think most of what happened, you know, is is what was planned. Um, <laughs> Mike, if I can interject, I also think. And I think I brought this up a few episodes ago of of this podcast, where I said that some of this reminds me of George R. R. Martin doing what a lot of folks are doing in the Martin era, whether the Geek Boys, whether it's comic books, video games, or a show like this, where they have woman uh, as the protagonist, you know, hot woman ruling the world type of stuff. And it appears that this is just another aspect of that. I, I think it's like a trend more than necessarily uh, some great statement. Right. Well, see, I think, like, when they bring up, let's say, the the new Ghostbusters film, I don't have a problem, and I've never had a problem, with having a female Ghostbusters cast. I had a problem with them treating it like it was a gimmick, right? That it was, uh, oh, how about Ghostbusters? Wait, this time it'll be all chicks. You know, it's like that's, to me, coming from the wrong place. Well, and, yeah, but sorry, go ahead. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be bad, but it just feels like it's, I, you know, in the case of Game of Thrones, I don't feel like they said, "Hey, wouldn't we be cool if we flipped the power structure and made all the the men women?" And uh, no, it feels like almost every one of these is a uh, natural outgrowth of the storylines that we've had. Right, and uh, part of that article I referenced earlier is. Uh, the showrunners actually being really frustrated with the fact that people think that this is a response to some of the criticism they had last season 
because it's not. They're like, this is where we've been going the whole time. You just didn't let us get there before you started bitching. Yeah, well, I and, think and it's fair. And, and to be honest, last season, uh, I mean, again, it re- last season, really, the only thing you can really talk about, I think, even though we're saying what happened last season, we're only talking about the Sansa scene, and that's really all. So what happens, though, is what they've done in numerous cases to condense these books is they've basically taken stories of multiple characters in the book and condensed them into one character. So Brienne has taken on stories of other characters. Daenerys has taken on stories of other characters. Uh, Sansa has taken on stories of other characters. Um, Things have been completely changed. What Varys did this episode and how some people have died in this season are completely different than how they died in the book. So I think, I think it's really just a condensement and people were just jumping and hounding. And again, it's because there's a book. If we didn't have books, there would be no issue, right? Because it'd just be stories going forward. The moral of the story is don't read books. Well, the moral of the story is, is that, (laughs) that books are always different than the movies. And true, you know, so, I don't see why. If if there was no book, people wouldn't be saying, what the hell did they do to Sansa? Because Sansa would have been an original character. Right. Well, yeah. or, or or just be careful about judging a story until it's reached its finish line. That too. Yeah. Yes. But of yeah. course, this is part of the problem of having this sort of decompressed storytelling where you're taking one story and stretching it out over seven years. You can't tell people, watch! Don't talk or judge until we're done. Because that's a yep. pretty fucking long wait. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think it's, un- I mean, and we've said this before, look, history has not always been kind to women. I don't think most women would disagree with that. And I don't think anyone watching Game of Thrones should think that they're making it all out to be a wonderful paradise. It's not, it's a fantasy, but it's not a fantasy. It's not that kind of, you know, just ignore the reality of of gender power plays and so forth. And just as, you know, they acknowledge, for example, that Tyrion would have been dead if he wasn't the son of a Lannister. You know, so it goes right. to people who are, who are, who are uh, whatever the term would be. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a friggin' show. So all these people who want to bring in sexual or, or let me rephrase, gender dynamics. Okay, fine, you can do whatever you want. But I mean, you're in the minority, ninety-five percent of the people, and that's just a, a guess. But I, I, I would, I would kind of bet on it that a good percentage of the population are watching the show because it's it's awesome and they don't really care about the gender dynamics that critics and the one percent like to to talk about oh but some people oh. I, I think people pick <laughs> up on this one percent yeah i mean they, i mean some, there's a one percent when it comes to critics just and there's 99 percent of the no but there's like, there's some stuff is pretty damn blatant you know, and very obvious. And certainly, but, for example, themes of power. Now, they may not talk about the themes, but it's the idea that any kind of art resonates with us on a, on some level if it's speaking to themes or ideas that that are common to our experience, right? I mean, I'm just saying that the, that's one uh, of the things that makes Game of Thrones resonate is I think people see all these things and recognize on some level a reflection of real life. You're the one that likes to compare it to real life, Phil. <laughs> yeah, but but oh, no, silence! But, but, I but, silenced him. But it's still just a show. I don't care. You know, I mean, we can do. Yeah, obviously, we're we're trying to critique it as if 
you know, whatever. But but all in all, um, I'm I'm still looking at it as just a trend in in the arts right now, which is having big boob superhero woman killing everybody. Let's that's, get that's, into the episode, shall and we? That's, that's the hip thing right now, and and that's how it is. Yeah, let's get into the episode. All right, all right, all right. All right. So, uh, what did you think of this episode, Mike? Because that was the question I was asking. You. No, the point. I thought it was an awesome episode, and I and I'm immediately going to single out the music. I thought yeah, it was phenomenal. It not only was the music phenomenal and appropriate, but it was also, barring my my memory lapse, it was completely different. I think than anything we've heard from Game of Thrones before. Especially in the opening sequence uh, at well, uh, King's Landing, and that that absolutely caught my attention too, Mike. Um, and for anybody who's interested, you can go get that music. It's available as part of the Game of Thrones soundtrack. That particular piece of music is called "Light of the Seven, uh, written by somebody named Raman Jawadi, uh, and it is phenomenal. I uh, found it on YouTube. It's also available on Spotify and iTunes, and probably Amazon too. Amazon and this, and all the. Yeah, it's everywhere. So he's the same guy that that does the theme song too, Eric. Yeah, and he did work the theme in there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I for me, I, I you know it was okay. I, I mean, I, I it felt out of place at first, but yeah, by the end, um, I thought it, w- it was good. Um, but anyway, Eric, what was your opinion of the episode? Uh, I loved it. Okay, and uh, for me, uh, I loved it. Okay, so. With that out of the way, let's uh, discuss uh, the episode. Uh, I guess we, we should probably just discuss right off the bat um, the first scene, uh, which t- was 20 minutes. Yeah, actually. that's right. Uh, and that music was uh, in the background for most of it. Um, man, w- uh, incredible filmmaking. Uh, even though it's on television. Uh, it's, it's just some of the most engrossing storytelling I've ever witnessed. Uh, there's like a minute at the very beginning of the episode where he, there's no there's there's no sound there's no music there's not anybody talking all it is is a scene of everybody preparing for the day um, and then you start to work into uh, the different shots of everything going along um, and we get a bit of you know you see Cersei getting ready you see Tommen getting ready you see Marjorie getting ready you see the Septon getting ready. Um, and eventually, we end up at the trial at, at uh, the church. Um, and I always get this guy's name wrong, Phil. Throw it out there for me, please. Uh, High Sparrow? No, the, no, uh, the guy uh, on trial. Um, oh, the, uh, oh uh, Lance. Loris. No, Loris. Yeah, Loris. Thank Loris the florist, yes. Yeah, yeah, I always call, yeah. <laughs> Phil made the same mistake I always do, which is calling him Lancel. Uh, but Loris is on trial. Uh, and uh, flat out changes his plea uh, and confesses and basically pledges his life to the uh, the seven gods uh, and wants to become like like Lancel and w- one of the fanatic priests um, and ends up having that whatever it is the seven pointed star carved into his fucking forehead. Now, uh, um, did you guys think? My, I mean, obviously, Lance, not Lance, uh, Loris was, was com- is completely, like, gone as a person. So he was going to do whatever. But do you think Marjorie had this as a plan because she was having her own machinations uh, 
if she had escaped this, what was going to happen. That's what I had. In other words, she was, because when she said, I thought you said you weren't going to deface him to the sparrow, um, and they had that little argument, I was thinking, okay, so she was planning to just have him submit. And then when they got out of there, they were going to do their, not right, say yep. a Cersei's thing, but do something that would take out the sparrow. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, she definitely at least would have gotten him back home. Um, and then once everybody was out of danger, she could go about doing whatever she wanted to do. Because the only reason she was going along with everything to begin with is because it was a it was a way to survive. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, the reason she was doing it was obviously to get her brother out and to consolidate power herself. And then once that was done, I think then she would have probably made her move. Whether I mean, I don't think it would be necessarily evil in a sense, but it would have definitely been a power consolidation. Um, what do you think, Mike? As far as what would have happened, what they were planning? What, what do you think Marjorie was planning? Or do you think it doesn't matter? She was planning on getting her brother happened? away and probably sending him far away from the High Sparrow and getting him someplace safe. Um, and then after that would have worried about getting rid of the bastard. Uh, that would be my guess. Or, who knows, maybe the main thing is keeping him at arm's length and, and staying on his good side, the main thing, uh, at least until she could get rid of him. But she also had the problem in that her husband was swallowing the fish hook. So I'm not really sure what her long-term plan was going to be, but her short-term plan was simply getting her family safe. Good job on that one. <laughs> well, she, was, she wasn't expecting a, uh, a third party involved that was going to do something, but yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that's partly <clears throat> her own fault because... Um, she figured it out, but she figured it out too late. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, she probably could have escaped if they... Lancel and all... Uh, not Lancel, but the Sparrows people didn't do what they did to prevent anybody from leaving. Um, actually, you know what? If she kept her mouth shut and just left, she probably could have gotten out. It's the fact that she tried to lead a stampede out the door that uh, made everybody stop them. Well, that's yeah. part of it. If this was, if let's say we flipped this around and it was Cersei who was in her position, and Cersei realized that they were going to blow the building up, you know, Cersei would have just like kind of looked to the left, looked to the right, and slipped out the back door. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. So Marjorie it, could have slipped out the back door, but she's not like that, so she died. Right, and there is, I think, an inherent goodness to Marjorie. Um. That she did want that 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 caused her to do exactly what she did, yeah. And her decency is her downfall. Um, Pam complained. My wife Pam complained a bit that how convenient was it that the king wasn't there? Well, it was it was part of the plan. Cersei made sure he wasn't there. Well, but why? And she was asking why wasn't he there from the beginning. My 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 thought was simply that because it was freaking Loras that was on trial. And that's a House well, Martell thing. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why he wasn't there, because he, the, the king always makes the grand entrance at the end. You know, after everybody's in, and, and that's what I think was going to happen. Because he says, "Okay, I'm ready to go," because he thought his people came to get him, and then he was going to make his entrance. Like, well, he, he but he was going to make his entrance for his mother's trial, but wasn't there for the first trial. And my my point was simply that. That Lancel, uh, sorry, Loris's trial probably wasn't 
as important because he wasn't a uh, a Baratheon. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't directly. Re- I mean, he he was the the queen's brother, but you know that, well, that's a slightly different thing. I just well, didn't know I, I also think it's part of the. King. I think it's also part of the arrogance of the Sparrow, which is he was okay with beginning without the king there because he's a an arrogant, power-hungry guy like everybody else. So, in reality, you would think he would wait until the king showed up. And even that being the case, I don't think it would have mattered because that whole scene when, would have probably been only 15 minutes in real life anyway, and the whole place was going to blow whether or not they waited for the king. Right. So I think they just made it more dramatic to have the proceedings begin without the king king there rather than waiting for the king and just sitting around twiddling their thumbs before they blow up. But all in all, which is something that was funny when I was thinking about it later, is they didn't even have to show anything inside the sept because whatever happened there doesn't even matter now. And, but of course it was more dramatic by you know having people panic and all that stuff and then showing it actually happen and the arrogance of the sparrow and all this other stuff. Uh, and they did a really good job of ratcheting up the tension um, until the the big explosion happened. And they show all the final pieces of Cersei's plan falling into place. Uh, they lure uh, Pycelle down into the catacombs, um, and uh, Kyburn has his little birds off him, which was creepy in and of itself. Um, um, and and I, I believe that, I, because that seemed legit. The, the second one... Seem too contrived, in my opinion, the Lancel one that you're about to discuss, Eric. Uh-huh. But I could see, you know, someone coming to Pi Cell saying, "Yeah, we uh, the king needs to talk here, whatever." And he goes down, and then he, he finds out it's a trap. Um, but the other one, I didn't, I didn't get that. Why Lancel decides to chase the little boy as if it even matters? Did you guys understand that? Actually, explain the scene first, Eric, and then we'll discuss. I was about to. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, one of the little birds. Uh, places himself in front of the church uh, and makes sure that Lancel sees him on well, when he's on his way out <clears throat> and intentionally scampers away suspiciously uh, so that Lancel follows him down into the catacombs. And then uh, the clever little bird leaves his torch burning in the middle of the, uh, of the corridor. Uh, and when Lancel goes and picks it up, he runs it from the side and stabs him, uh, leaving... Lancel in very poor shape there on the floor. Although he only stabbed him once. It must have been a good shot. Um, but uh, at that point, Lancel sees in the distance a uh, glowing green uh, light source and 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 realizes that uh, he's in the stash of wildfire uh, that everybody has been whispering about since the Mad King. Um, and he crawls towards it because there, there are candles set into the wild, puddles of wildfire on the floor. Uh, and once the candle burns down, it's going to act as a wick and, and light the wildfire. Uh, and he tries to crawl over there and stop it from happening, but he doesn't get there on time. Uh, and church go boom in a big, old, bad way. Uh, massive green explosion kills everybody in the church, just completely demolishes the structure. Um, you might and, even call it a green inferno. Yes, you might. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, uh, and Cersei watches from her balcony and smirks and walks away drinking wine. And Tommen is watching from his room uh, and is just standing there with a look of slack-jawed horror on his face. Um, yeah, I liked how the fire lights and it's slow for like three beats. One, two, three, and then suddenly, boom, it goes. And that was um, interesting how, how that worked. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was pretty impressive how they did it. Um, I guess it was obviously shocking because... It took out Marjorie. I mean, I kind of guessed it I, because I said that she was probably Cersei's was probably setting up the nuke to take out both the Sparrow and the Tyrells together, mm-hmm. and and it appears that th- that was correct, except for Lady Elena escaped, uh, and the reason she escaped had nothing to do with Cersei's. It was because Marjorie knew that the Sparrow was going to go after her next, and that's the only reason she wasn't there. You know what? I, I at, th- at this point I don't even. Th- think that Marjorie was on Cersei's mind because uh, really uh, the church did the same thing to her uh, so I think she kind of uh, she had she had a common bond with Marjorie over that at least um, so I think Marjorie was incidental uh, and really it was the church she was after hmm. what do well, you, think? you I, know what I, I don't know if I, I, I think I, I think she's she has she wanted to get rid of all of her enemies in one shot. And well, she think, didn't. Well, she but she was. Did. She well, first of all, first of all, she's Cersei, and so let's let's be happy for her that she was as effective as she was because she's okay. a special. Well, let um, Cersei have her moment, right? And she still managed to find a way to kill her son, even though it was uh, more of a ricochet than a direct uh, directed assassination. Yeah, but uh, I did Do like. Do you think one of she our... wanted that though? No, no, no. no. But I okay. think, but I like. I think we mentioned this last week is that she was going to end up doing it through her through her actions. Okay. I don't think that was going to be deliberate. No, what we discussed was that we thought he was going to be in the explosion on mistake. Yeah, okay. that she was going to think she was going to have. She would have a way to save him. That which she did, and you know, a very effective way by putting a mountain in his path. Uh, she was going to have a way to save him in theory that, and then, you know, it just wasn't going to pan out because it, she's her. Um, and in this case, it was just the open window. And as one of our, I, I, I forget who posted it. Um, he said, that's why they call it King's Landing or something yeah. like that. Oh, it's oh, too soon. Sorry, well, uh, well, let's, let's talk about, uh, uh, Tom and um, and his response, and then we'll discuss the the death of all the the major. Oh, wait. Okay, players. hold on a second. Uh, you're married to Marjorie, and she gets blown up. I think that's a perfectly reasonable response. <laughs> uh, basically, we haven't said it. Tom and uh, jumps out the window, commits suicide. Uh, he doesn't even jump really. He just kind of stands on the ledge and lets gravity do the work. Um, yeah, he leans forward and just falls. Yeah. yeah uh, that was a moment. <laughs> and yeah. I love the fact that there's no, like, dramatic soundtrack going along with it. You just hear the yeah, wind. Yeah, he just walks up to the window, takes a step up, leans forward, and he's gone. And, and you just, there's, like, two beats of the empty window with the wind blowing the curtains. And then the winds of the winter. Scene. Yeah. Well, the thing that was curious about it 
or not necessarily curious, but um, interesting about it, I guess, is that Tommen, there was two reactions that you figure he would have done, right? One would have been he would now be like Lady Elena and try to get vengeance because his mother just fucked everything up. Um, or two, he would, you know, be like, uh, like Rickon or any one of these other, uh, innocents who just get screwed over and, you know, he, he broke in this case, instead of getting killed, he broke as a person. And because now his mother, his mother is pure evil and he knows it. Um, his well, belief, and also even, yeah. he's got nobody, um, and, and a shitload of guilt to shoulder at the same time. Because he knows that, you remember the last episode, he totally screwed over Cersei by declaring trial by combat as being outlawed. Right. Uh, if, if trial by combat would have happened, the Mountain would have won. Cersei would have been uh, free from any conviction of her crimes. Uh, and life would have moved on. Uh, and I think in that moment, he knows that, A, this happened directly as a result of him screwing over his own mother that B, his mother is willing to do anything, including kill his wife, uh, to get what she wants. She doesn't really give a shit about him anymore because if she had, uh, she wouldn't have killed his wife. Um, she would have been there to stop him herself instead of sending the mountain to do it. Um, I mean, she cared enough to send the mountain to stop him from going. But, uh, if she, if she had gone to comfort him, about Marjorie's death, it might have done some good, but she wasn't there. Uh, he's all alone. He's shouldering all this guilt. He's he's shattered by his wife's death, um, and so he jumps out the window. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree too. He's he's a. Uh, uh, I mean, we got to remember he's still seventeen, even in, in the move in the TV show. He's supposed to be seventeen or something, and he's um, you know he lost. His hand, which was was basically his grandfather, whether no matter what we think of his grandfather, his grandfather at least was. Oh, you mean the him. hand of the king? Yeah, yes. exactly. I That's thought you right. I thought you got confused. And we're talking about Jamie. Oh right, no, no, the hand. No, of the no king. Jamie's not his grandfather. And, and his grandfather, uh, no matter what his grandfather did, as we know what he did uh, to his his grandson, he was at least uh, molding him to be. A strong and an honorable leader, if not um, anything else. So here he is, is now in the wind. He has no advisors. Um, everybody is trying to use him as a pawn. I, I'm sure he didn't think the the sparrow was using him as a pawn. I think he just fell for the whole shebang. But uh, all in all, at this point, yeah, I mean, his whole life is 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 a farce in a sense, at least in his eyes. And I think that's one of the reasons why he jumped. Never mind being depressed. Never mind finding out that his mother's evil. Never mind that his wife was just killed and on and on and on. And I think he also knows that he screwed up too many times and not, and that doesn't necessarily mean he can't be still a good King, but I mean, he's the one that could have took out the sparrow earlier. He's the one that could have forced his mother to King's land. I mean, uh, Castle Rock a long time ago and on and on. So I don't know. It's 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 just a tragic story. I think um, yeah. I think it may be one of the most tragic po- stories in the entire six seasons. 
Right, because there is um, going way back, right, when he first became king, he has a conversation with his grandfather. Oh, it was a great scene. Right, where he talks about how, you know, who is the greatest king, right? And yeah. and they said so, and he says, you know, King Bob, because he was the wisest, or King Louis, because he was the, the most powerful, or whatever it is. Right, and he even and used they, King, uh, his father, King uh, Robert, and right. was one of the most uh, greatest warriors and all this other stuff. But go on, right. Um, so they have so right. So, but it was basically the idea was how a leader has to balance all these things, and you can't be good in just one area. Like Joffrey, Joffrey was feared, but that was about it. He wasn't wise, you know. He wasn't a great warrior. He just scared the piss out of people. Right. Um. But in this case, Tommen was a good guy. He was kind. Um, he was horny. But well, you know what? I think I think he would have been a good king had his grandfather not passed. If he had time and he had experience time to, and to get, yeah, he might he might have been a good king. So he didn't get that chance. Like, if, if he had had uh, Ned Stark around as hand of the king. Sure, he could have been a good king. Yes, but if he had if he had Tyrion, he would have been. Or anybody, if he had Tywin, I'll still say Tywin, his grandfather. I don't, you know, no matter how much of an evil bastard he was, uh, even though he was more of a more of a an autocrat than a pure evil dictator, even though he did do bad things, he, I think, would have been would have molded Tommen as good as you know Ned Stark or anybody else that was wise. Right, and There's, it's just a, it's yeah. just a matter of that. And actually, with Marjorie at his side, I think it still would have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the problem is he just had Cersei, right? And once he lost, and, and I think yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But one thing I was going to say is that I, th- I've seen a lot of people say, oh, but we saw all this coming. And this and this is a theme throughout the episode. We saw this coming. Well, there were things that I didn't see coming. I, we called, we all called, uh, nuking the city two episodes ago, right? Right. right. And I even said that, uh, and you guys may have said it too, I, even before me, I can't remember, but I know we said on this podcast a couple episodes ago that not only is there going to be a nuking, but she's going to try to take out all her enemies at once, including the Tyrells. Right. She has her godfather scene, right? And yeah, exactly, yeah. And we kind of called it, and we called, you know, somehow that Tommen was going to die. And But a lot of it is, first of all, yeah, early episodes and early seasons of Game of Thrones was less predictable because we didn't know Game of Thrones unless you read the book, right? You didn't know it. And so they could do things that were unexpected. Well, now it's a show that's got a reputation for doing the unexpected, so the unexpected is what we're expecting. And that's why we could foresee the events that happened. Because if Game of Thrones had been a uh, more conventional series, we probably wouldn't have seen some of these events happen as they transpired. So it, it's we recognize it simply because we recognize what Game of Thrones is. And it can't keep changing itself up for the sole purpose of surprising us, number one. Number right. two, we know the characters better. We understand the characters better. Characters behave in consistent and logical ways, unlike real life. Um, in stories, they tend to be more consistent. 
Um, and so they can start doing things that are predictable, especially when you have six seasons worth of data to base your predictions on. And, you know, lastly, there are things that happen within this that we didn't see coming. We didn't see, um, what's his face? Um, Kyburn. Not just using his little, various little birds as spies, but using them as assassins. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was a bit of a shocker. And that, and some brutal stuff, and the death of Picel. We wouldn't have been shocked if the Picel had been blown up in the chapel. But to see had this happen, we know he was a specific target of Cersei's, presumably. Right, and, and it was um, interesting, if I could just interject for one moment, Mike, is that Quiburn actually apologized for what he was going to do, because, you know... You know, uh, I, basically, Quiburn had no problems with Purcell as a person. It's just that he's one of the people that are in the way for the ultimate goal. So I'm sorry, you know, if this has kind of happened to you. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and there's one who is never getting her money back. But uh, so right because he, he stiffed, he stiffed, stiffed his. That's his right. Woman. That's yes, right. Stiffed the whore, if yes. you know what I mean. Ha! <laughs> um, but yeah, so and and then you just get. You know, there's there are there are ways to do this, and we've criticized the series a little bit this season for doing it. You, there's ways to do this that are clumsy and ham-handed, and then there's doing it like this that I think you know is just beautifully done. Um, so yeah, it's not as shocking or surprising, but you need to be in it for more than just the shocks and surprises. And I do think some of them were there. And there was at least one event that happened this week, and we'll get to it. That really did kind of shock me. I don't know if it's a good thing, a bad thing. I'm sure it'll piss mm -hmm. Phil off. But, um, <laughs> you know, and to see in just this one act that we lost very quickly, we lost uh, Marjorie, which was tough. We lost um, the High Sparrow, which wasn't. Um, yeah, uh, which is fine. We lost uh, Loris, uh, which Loris and uh, Lancel and... Picel, and, oh, and, Ma and Mace, Mace Tyrell, and even Mace, Mace, who I've liked as a as sort of a comic foil, right? I mean, he's a you know, he's a right. bit of a, a, a doddering old fop. He is kind of what Picel pretends to be, um, right? And then you get, and and you do get oh, the and then power. Tom, and, and then Tommen, and losing Tommen, it's you know. To have Tommen get accidentally blown up or caught up in the blast would have been one thing, but to have him take his own life, it just has a it, it's different, right? right? The way he went out, so it has a, a it has a different emotional kick, and then to end with, uh, well, essentially end with Cersei, who I want to point out, who is no, who is crowned queen? Cersei's. Cersei. Oh, of everything. No, it's Cersei Lannister, Lannister. not oh. Cersei Baratheon. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she takes it and, uh, you know, and there was somebody posted a thread on her kick-ass costume. Um, and which, by the way, I did love, I did really like the opening sequence because you did get to see, they, they did a close-up of, of Tommen's necklace. Right. Where you, mm -hmm. where you could really see all the different lion designs and each one is different on those little squares. And it's uh -huh. nice that these, the, the craftsmen on the series, you, so much of the detail never shows up on on screen, uh, so it was nice to see that. But yeah, she has that awesome outfit, and I I coined I said you know it's Darth Cersei, right? She's got this great. <laughs> so, 
Somebody posted on Twitter a picture of her in that outfit, only they changed her hair to be black uh, and gave her Romulan ears. Yeah. <laughs> and it totally fit. She, she looks like a fucking Romulan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as a Star Trek nerd, I, I very much picked up on that. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it was, it was a, it was a fantastic segment. And honestly, if, if that had been the finale, it would have been yeah. a hell of a way to go out for the season. But wait, there's more. There's more. Yeah, I, I mean, it was almost as good as the chicken scene. <laughs> so, uh, Phil, wait, tell we're, me. We're, tell, we're not tell, even wait. done yet. We're All not right, even Phil. done yet. All right. So, Which Phil, is, here's the here's the score. Characters that Phil gives a shit about. They killed off the High Sparrow. Yeah, I don't care about him. Oh, I thought that would have made you happy about that. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, that's what I mean. I don't but, care. But they killed off Marjorie. Yeah, I mean, the loss of Marjorie and Tommen were major disappointments. Um, is it offset? Does it is it offset by the loss of high of the High Sparrow and the Cult? To be honest, when this scene happened, and again, I want folks to know that this is just a television show, and I don't, you know, it's just characters are all fake. I was cheering because I was. I thought that was uh, Cersei's was awesome. So okay. uh, even though point, Marjorie got wiped out, all the people that died there did not bother me at all because the the to see Cersei's get her vengeance on all these scumbags, even if Marjorie went, didn't bother me. However, when Tom and suicided, that that did bother me. How about the poor okay. people okay. in the street okay. who got crushed by the bell? I, hang on, hang on. Well, they were the ones that were I have a point to make here. I would like to point out that in numerous previous episodes of this podcast, Phil has come forth saying that he's a humanist and that nobody should get executed uh, and that everybody deserves, deserves to be put on trial and get a fair shake. Uh, and yet here we have Circe blowing up half of the goddamn city, uh, killing God knows how many dozen innocent bystanders, and he's dancing on all of their grains. Humanist, my ass! Give it up. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, it's very inconsistent, and it does sound very inconsistent. However, however, uh, by this point in season six, I was I had jumped on board of Team Cersei's, so I wanted to see this story f- be fulfilled, and what? and and so I was I. Decided to look at it as just that, as a television. Well, and that's fine. I was reveling in it too. I thought it was awesome. I'm just saying it completely contradicts everything you've said previously. Now I wonder if Benioff <laughs> and Weiss, which is absolutely right, it does contradict everything. Um, but I wonder if Benioff and Weiss made the mistake of having people hate the Sparrow so much that. They made a mistake where Marjorie's death was was all but ignored, and like who cares because we just got to see this barrel and and half the city blow up, and it was awesome. And I think I don't know if that was their intention. I I don't I don't know, but uh, I did see somebody on Twitter longing for uh, Marjorie to have found a lead line refrigerator to get inside when that happened. <laughs> That's true. Yes, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I it's well I don't know I'm just saying that if you if. This happened in the real world, Phil. Then somebody blew up a courthouse. Uh, we would call that terrorism. So Phil's with the terrorists. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, as, Bob, as the great Bob Novak has always said, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Unless they're a terrorist, in which case. Uh, 
which which the the rule is try to tag people as terrorists when they're just freedom fighters. Oh, uh, anyway, whose freedom was she on. fighting for? Moving anyway. on. Moving on. There's one more scene here in this yes. beginning 20 minutes. Uh, which and is, oddly, it was it was wonderful, even though it was if it was sick. It was awesome. And the, see, was. this is what I've been telling you the whole time, Phil. You got to get on board with the depravity here. Yes, uh, the depravity <laughs> on Game of Thrones is awesome. So seriously, <laughs> uh, uh, after she's blown everybody out, uh, she saved one for herself. Uh, she's got, she's got the nun tied up in the basement. And she's, 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 uh, I heard it referred to on Twitter as wineboarding. Uh, she's wineboarding this, like just pouring wine all over her face going, confess, confess. <laughs> oh man, this was awesome. It was uh, awesome. And, and basically she just, oh, comes her out speech with, was the best. <laughs> her speech was the best. She's, she's, she's like, uh, yeah, I fucked my I brother. Told, I, I told, I good. told you. I told you my face would be the last thing you saw before you die. Yeah, but you get all the stuff you're not dying that, today. Eric was, yeah, Eric <laughs> oh, yeah, she's like, oh, well, kill me. Oh, no, you're not dying today. Yeah, it's <laughs> and this is this is the moment where Cersei goes from a bad person and a with and a but a, a rich character to a just flat out arch villain. You know right. what? I would disagree for one reason. This nun slash whatever her name is, and she explains it perfectly, meaning the reason you did what you did to me wasn't because you were doing it for the gods or for the sparrow. You were doing it because you just liked it. This was ultimate vengeance against someone that was ultimate evil. So even though it was sick, what she did, the person she did it to was... The epitome, epitome of sickness itself. Yes, she, exactly. she had it coming, and uh, so and basically Cersei's she brings in uh, Gregor Clegane. <laughs> it basically says, "Guess what? You're his toy now." Um, I'll, I'll, I'll buy. I shame. You. I you. Shame. Shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Phil, I got to say, all your hair is screaming. I, I think I think you're a little blinded by your personal prejudices because to somehow say what's happening to her is fine, you know, and that her evil was more ultimate than what she herself was doing seems a little. Well, let me rephrase. I, I, I agree that if if you're going to be evil. You just do what the mob does, and, and you shoot them for business. And you, no, you know, you just kill them, and that's it. You move on. But as long as I have a proper trial. But if you're going to be evil yourself, in this case, what that woman did to Cersei's as a human being, that woman deserved no dignity. So I, I mean, I, again, she should have just probably hanged her and, and and be done with it, or forced her to do the shame walk, and then you know, hung her after or something like that. So you're right. It is disgusting, horrible, terrible, and whatnot. But, but it was just as awesome care. as when it happened to Cersei. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, whatever it said, and, and and I didn't care that Cersei's did it because I hated that character so much. And again, it is just characters, you know. So um, it didn't matter to me. I thought it was fine. I'm just but saying. I, I think I see yeah. your point, though, Mike. Go well, on. I'm saying, but it's not the punishment. Isn't just about what the person deserves. It's also about who the person is that's delivering it. I think there's a lot of people who deserve 
really shitty things to happen to them. Yeah. But you don't want to have somebody enjoy doing that to them either. You know, it's I mean, yeah, but but Sir Sansa did it last week with, with Ramsey and the dogs. That was well, yeah, and I think that, that was the shreds. And I, I think I voiced that my response hurt that to me her response to that seemed a little out of character. But you know what? I'm, I'm joining. I'm joining Eric now. I've changed my tune. There's no more humanist <laughs> yeah, when it comes. Yeah. To okay. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, just it's not. I'm joining the depravity with Eric because it's just a show. And you know what? Ramsey, I know this is the one thing I was kind of hoping to see a pile of dog shit in, in uh, Winterfell at some point this episode. Yeah. Um, but oh God, that would have been funny. But it was a one time event. She's, she's going to be there. I sense, I get the feeling she's going to be there for a long time. Oh yeah. This is, this is American Mary. This is what that is. She's, yeah, she's going to be there, and that—that's what really makes it. She's not going to going to kill her in a cruel way. She's she's going to drag it out. Anyway, well, let's let's. So so to finish up with Cersei, um, she ends up on the throne by the end of the episode. She is now Queen Cersei uh, on the Iron Throne. But I would theorize that she's still not in the best position because uh, who's backing her at this point? Uh, I I think even her brothers. Uh, pretty upset with her <laughs> well point. let's talk about jamie jamie comes back home <laughs> and basically finds well for, before he comes back home he's uh, he's with the phrase your favorite people phil um well only Walter. He, he's funny well uh jamie doesn't like him so much well, uh, he's a prick. i don't blame him <laughs> he's kind of gross he's funny. And, and, and they're at dinner uh and Walter frey is saying all this shit uh, basically about how he's defeated all of his enemies and blah blah blah, and Jamie just basically but, uh, uh, Eric, cuts Eric, him down you, to size. Eric, you forgot your favorite character, Bron, the scene before. Oh yeah, with Bron, well, Bron, yeah, Bron being <laughs> upset that the women are just throwing themselves at Jamie. He's like, you don't even fucking try. Um, he needs to get over that. He, this is this is like the third episode where he said something about that. He 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 just needs to. Except that Jamie's a player. <laughs> yeah, J- Jamie's a little better looking. It's just how it is. It, like, it's not like he's a beast himself. I mean, they're both going to get their ladies, so I don't know why he's complaining all the time. And Jamie hooked him up. It's it's not like you know, uh, it's not like he's the the guy that doesn't get any. He's just he's a wingman, and right. he just needs to accept his role as a wingman. That's all. I think uh, you know what I think he does, <laughs> and I think he's just being brawn. This is brawn just being funny. I don't think yeah. he's really really. Kia's, you know, it's just some him being his funny self. <laughs> right. Uh, so Walter Frey's being just an ass. Um, and he's basically talking about how he's vanquished all of his enemies and uh, now has hold of this castle. Uh, and Jamie's like, oh, you're a great warrior, are you? What, what were all the battles you were in? And he's like, well, I haven't been in a battle in quite some time, but I'm sitting here in control of this castle, aren't I? And Jamie's like, well, yeah, but we left it with you, and you lost it, and we had to come back and get it again. So if that's what's going to happen, why do we really need you? (laughs) And just gets up and walks off. I was like, oh, shit. Jamie just told him what's what. I thought that was kind of awesome. But but you know what? Walter didn't really give a rat's ass. Yeah, Walder gave as good as he got. He says, "Go, you know, mock me if you will. I'm used to being mocked, you little shit. You're basically saying we're both kingslayers, uh-huh. right?" And he pulls him in, and he's right about something: is that he did survive, sort of, his enemies, 
he uh, did end up getting what he wanted. He just he didn't do it with a sword in his hand. Right. Now, and he said, you know, you're just as mocked as I am. Now, we understand that for completely different reasons, that with the exception of his relationship with his sister and everything that stems from it, um, Jamie kind of is an honorable guy. He killed the stab the king in the back to save a city. Right. However, the fact that he's seen this in the same way that Walder Frey, Walder Frey doesn't give a shit that his reputation is taking a hit because he, whatever, the, the wine and the cheese or whatever that is that... Yeah, but he doesn't care yeah. that his reputation, because he still has his castle, he still has one of the biggest crossings in Westeros, he still has all his women, his food, his you know power and all that, so... You know, he's got his mansion, and that's that. He's happy. Yeah, he's, and, and he kind of drags Jamie down to his level, and I think that really bothers Jamie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jamie kind of got the last word in with his, you know, what good it does do it coming and save your ass, because you know what? In the end, he's still going to come in and save his ass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, yeah, so, so it was it was a great little exchange of about two very uh, disrespected or uh, dishonored people in one who it bothers greatly and one doesn't give a rat's ass. Right. Um, yeah, so so that that's pretty much Jamie goes storming off um, and he and Bronn go back to King's Landing and when, when Jamie arrives, he pretty much finds this smoldering crater in the middle of the city. He's like... And I think he knows uh... exactly what happened because <laughs> he knows about the fire, right? I mean, if anybody knows uh, yeah, about the did, fire, yeah. he's the man because he killed someone that was going to use the fire yeah he, he knows what happens but i don't think he uh he, pro- perhaps when he's riding up on the city he doesn't quite understand the exact yeah. sequence of events uh like he probably suspects that cersei had something to do with it um but he doesn't know you know that the queen was in there um or that tom jumped out the window uh so i mean yeah, and uh, so we we see him right up on the city. We see him right into the city, and then the last we see of him is during uh, Cersei's coronation, uh, and those are not longing looks of love he's giving her across the room. He is not it, it, pleased. Well, he walks in as the coronation, so he obviously knows that Tommen's dead, right. and he obviously knows the Sparrow and Marjorie are dead because they were more powerful than Cersei's and now they're not there. So he knows that something horrible has happened and he doesn't know what, and we're going to, and so that's a cliffhanger for next year to see what he does. Um, I do want to read, uh, what, um, Sean Fox wrote since, uh, his, his email, I said I would read pieces as we go. He goes, uh, Jamie's talk with Braun was fine, but topped by Jamie actually putting Walder in his place until a certain faceless one gave a gift of, all of us, except Phil, rejoiced at seeing it. Anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to skip that until we get to it. But but he goes, um, he's basically implying, um, uh, here, this is what he says about, uh, here, we have the coronation. This is, this is the part we want to talk about, right? He goes, uh, all of this would have been fine to end the episode, leaving you wondering, but Jamie returning home to coronation of Cersei, the Death Queen, was one last thing to say, WTF. We have to wait another year to see how this plays out. I am very intrigued as to how long before Jamie has to murder Cersei and gets to add another title to his street cred, that of Queenslayer. Hmm, that's an interesting. Well, thing. Uh, well, and I, I, I'm not going to discount that at all. I think it's a distinct possibility. Uh, 
what was I just going to say though? Uh, I I don't know. I think as far as I, I don't think we were left with any real cliffhangers this year as as far as the series finale goes. Not in comparison with other seasons. I thought they wrapped everything up pretty nicely. Yeah, while we're, it's not a cliff. I guess you're right. The term shouldn't be cliffhanger. It should be uh, a stage setter. The, yeah. yeah. What 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 is going to happen now with Jamie? after he sees what happened. So I guess by having him come in during the coronation, you could somewhat argue that's a, I don't know, a, a cliffhanger, but only in, this, in in a semantical way, because in reality, right. we know what, what he's probably thinking. It's now, what will he do? Will he right. do as Sean said, or will he do what I said last week, where he's just going to bail and go where Brienne is and join Team Santa? Or or what? Who knows? I mean, maybe he'll toss, kill Cersei's and become king himself. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, what's we're going to find out, right? Well, and I, I I don't know if that's possible according to the rules. Uh, you know, all the inheritance rules of kingdom and whatever the fuck. But uh, uh, there's something that's that's in the books that I'm not entirely sure has been mentioned in the series. Um. In the books, there's a there's a prophecy that Cersei will be killed by her younger brother, and she's always assumed that that means Tyrion. But I think uh, she and Jamie are twins, and I think she was born first. Uh, so technically, Jamie's her little brother. Um, so if that were to happen, that would be fulfilling that prophecy from the book, uh, although it has not been mentioned in the series um i think it would be a logical place for the story to go um if they've been given that information by george r r martin hmm yeah i mean uh what was it two seasons ago or they they did a the flashback which began with your three children are going to die maybe they'll have they'll do that next year who knows that could be something where they could open up the season with the flashback again where cersei's it learns that her younger brother is going to kill her and then go boom, you know, into the future again uh, or the present again. So, or maybe pos- they just won't mention the prophecy and it'll just happen. So, yeah, um, that, that it could go any number of ways. But uh, I do not at all discount. In fact, I would probably say that's the most likely scenario is that Jamie ends up killing Cersei. It's possible. Yeah, it'll be curious. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, what do you think of all this? Where, uh, where Jamie- I, I certainly think that's a possibility, uh, and I've mentioned it in the past. I don't think he's happy about what happened because now he don't, I don't know how much he knows yet, but basically her actions are responsible for nothing else but the death of their son. Right. And and the, and there are also larger consequences. We don't know. I, look, as far as I'm concerned, they probably have settled the uh, uh, what do you call the uh, succession issue because Cersei, I'm sure, had the best lawyers. Right, Pycelle is gone. That right, uh, right. That she has a new maester who's in her pocket. I says, well, well yeah. if we look at the precedent, and according to this, when I, I, I was going to ask about that because is that really how that would that really work that way? Would she be queen? Let me ask you a question. Well, it, it's what Mike just said. Uh, whoever is the quote unquote person in the book can say, well, it kind of says here that this is what would happen. And what would have to happen is she comes forward, she said, or someone, 
some come, comes forward and says, Cersei's the queen now, and you need someone to go, no, she's not, and then the mountain Off comes by. Head. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and then someone says, I think, I too think Cersei should be his queen. And then someone else goes, I'm not fucking arguing. I like my head. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, now, enough, it, now it's, but now it's possible if they, you know, if this was something that was going to be ongoing, uh, even more than just the next 13 episodes or however many there's going to be, uh, then yeah, I think you could make an argument that, uh, you could, you could have a storyline of who really gets to take the throne, uh, and the, you know, do we do a, a, Casting call search for Gendry. What's what, right. what's that? You know, but, but again, but, it doesn't it doesn't matter because it, it was like when you know when Rob Baratheon died and the quote unquote bastard Joffrey takes over, and then Stannis and Rob and all these other people say fuck that, right? That you know you know it, I mean anybody can become king if there there's a some sort of or queen if there's some sort of power structure around them, and that doesn't mean that everybody will agree and well, obviously they're, that's, they're not. That's true, uh, and uh, let's use that as a perfect segue to what happens at Winterfell. Um, was, was Winterfell before? before yeah, I, I mean we could go any any way we want. Yeah, so if you want to start go to Winterfell next instead of that, Sam that, or that, these, that's just a, that's that's just a perfect segue because we're talking about uh, precedent power structures and who's okay. in charge. Okay, um, so all right, so we'll talk about uh, uh, Walder Frey later. What happens to him? But go on, yeah, go ahead, Murray. Right. Yeah, so um, basically we get the scene uh, up at Winterfell. Uh, actually, a whole bunch of stuff, cool stuff happened at Winterfell. One. Is that uh, Jon Snow is having a conversation with uh, the witch? Um, she's the and, best. And and uh, Davos comes storming into the room and says, "She's a witch!" Uh, <laughs> basically, he throws that little toy stag that he carved for Shireen at at the Red Witch, who catches it uh, and basically forces her to confess to Jon Snow what she did. Uh, confess, Shireen. Confess, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I don't. Uh, I still don't get it, though. I mean, just like Cersei's is probably going to just tell Jamie next year. Oh, it was the Sand Snakes that blew up the and killed Tom and all this other crap. She, why did the witch just lie? I mean, whether she told the truth or not, it if she d- just lied, it's not necessarily. It's more of a white lie because if you don't know, it, it doesn't hurt. So she could have just lied to say, I, "I have no idea what happened." It, it, it's a, she, Ramsey she came could. in and wiped everybody out. That's all she could have She could said. have, but you know what? At this point, Maybe she's I honorable. Am, Maybe she's honorable. That's what I'm saying here. Uh, I don't think she's... I mean, she's definitely a witch, but I don't think she's an evil witch. Because uh, <laughs> at a one point... She's a witch! Exactly. When, uh, when Davos is, is taking her to task for what he did to Shireen, uh, and, uh, and he's, he's, he's calling out that... Uh, that she she did that to save all the the army and the troops and Stannis and everything and they all died anyway. He's like, uh, and they all died just because you lied. And she's like, I didn't lie. I was just wrong. Um, I think she was doing the best that she could to interpret her visions and she got it wrong. Um, and I think she's she really feels a lot of guilt over that. Um, and I think that's why she tells the truth. Uh, is because part of her wants to be taken to task for that uh, because she feels horrible about it. Um, and yeah, she, she really doesn't She doesn't put up a fight here. She's not like, oh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, she's like, I did it 
for reasons, the reasons turned out to be wrong, but I thought I was doing the best thing. Right. Right. She did all this stuff, um, with faith that's been absolutely destroyed, uh, in the last couple of, well, since last season, since, um, yeah, since Stannis died, right? Since died, right? Yeah, so absolutely. So I don't, I don't have any issue with her. She, she's, she thought she was on the right side. She's not, and she makes a good point that the man that she loved, uh, that he loved, Stannis, was the one who did it. He, he'd never liked the Red Queen, right. not the Red Queen, mm-hmm. the Red Witch. Red yeah. Queen is uh, Alison Lindler. Um <laughs> Completely different story. Uh, but right, he never liked the Red Witch. But he loves Stannis, and Stannis is the one who basically killed his own daughter. Yeah, Stannis and the wife is what and the he wife, said. yeah, who, who, who also killed herself. And and it's and yeah, it really does put John in a little bit of a pickle. I just, think right. John should have just pardoned. I um, let me ask: well, if she if she wasn't yeah. wearing if she wasn't wearing the amulet, would you have still felt that way? <laughs> that's that's a fair point, Mike. That's a fair point. A very, very, very fair point. However, since she is wearing the amulet, that's all that matters, and she is a person that can bring people back to life and do all these other cool things. Therefore, I would have pardoned her um, right on the spot. Well, I can see both sides of this coin, and I really don't know what I would have done if I was in Jon Snow's shoes, because, yeah, she burned a kid. John Snow uh, needs yeah, a queen, though. And she's but yeah, perfect. she brought me back to life, so I kind of owe her. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I thought what he did was as, as close to a compromise as you could come to on that one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I see why he he could do it or that, you know, decided to do it and whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, I don't know. It, it's... It's interesting because technically she is part of the crime because, you know, it was her suggestion even though she wasn't the one that necessarily did it. But also, her, like you said, Eric, her belief system thought that it was what, in other words, her gods told her this is what you were supposed to do, it, and obviously all that was wrong. And, uh, but, but on the other hand, when the Sparrow uses that excuse... <laughs> yeah, but the sparrow isn't good looking. Like, like, like. She exactly. Or just, just <laughs> so we come to it. Okay, at least you said it out loud. Yeah, yeah. Also, Jon Snow was brought back to life, even if he didn't want to be brought back to life. He is back to life. I think he owes her a little bit. You know, well, that's why he lets her live. Yeah, that's a fair point too. Okay, let me uh, ask you so this. He... Let me ask this then. What if it was? Uh, what if it was? Ro- it was. Uh, Ned Stark, who was making that decision. He would have cut her head off. Yeah, I think he probably would have. I don't That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I do have to say this about the Red Witch. No matter how crazy some of her decisions have been and, and actually criminal, some of the things that she's done, even though probably everybody on this show has done something criminal, um, she has been on board from day one that the misunderstood... White Walkers are a threat. Oh God! So <laughs> that alone. No, no, Phil. I they they are just misunderstood. Oh right. goodness! Right, they are misunderstood. But she under she understood that fact from the beginning. So all in all, 
out of everybody on the show, she's the only one that considered them a threat. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? They, they, she, because she knew even before Jon Snow and all them had to fight him at Hard Home, she was already on board to go. She was the one that convinced Stannis to say we have to go north because the real right and yeah there. and 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 I'll I'll grant you that and yeah and that that's and by the way when she explained it to Stannis, Stannis was right on board with it. That's why in the earlier stages I said all the choices for King suck, but he would have been mine of yes. the ones that were viable at that time. Sure. Um, but you know that was before he burned his daughter alive. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's um, yeah. I mean that that's a good thing. It's a good aspect. But you know, basically, it's just because she was forward, forewarned, she had that knowledge because she's old and witchy. And you know, I don't think John's not taking it seriously. Uh, I don't think any of the the uh, the freemen who have seen seeing the White Walkers aren't taking it seriously. So it's 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 a bonus for it, but I don't think it's that big of a bonus. No, that's fair. That's fair. Either way, I could I could go either way where if he if he had executed her, that's the only one thing I couldn't agree with because that would have felt out of character and out of out of it wouldn't affect the punishment based off of all the other I, things that she did. That I don't that, think it would have been out of character. He's executed other people that he didn't really want to. I don't think yeah. he actually wanted to kill Ollie. Yeah, but how right. could he let those guys? Oh live no, there? I think he wanted to kill Ollie. Ollie fucking stabbed him in the in the in the face. You know, it's in the chest. <laughs> he, and he was looking at Ollie. He knows what Ollie did. He's not like you know. But I feel real bad about it. No, she's she did what she did. She clearly feels sorry for what she did. She fucked up, and she brought him back to life. Right. right. I, I think I think that puts him somewhat in her debt. Yes. Yeah, um, that's why she's still alive. I think we yeah. can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why I don't think it would have been. I couldn't have seen him execute her, um, and I. But I could see him doing what he did, or I also could have seen him pardon her because at that point, you know, what's more important: winning the war with the most powerful people around you, or sending people away. You know, which. Seems a little odd, too. So I, I can see either way. Yeah. So he goes up on the roof of the castle. Uh, or what do, you, what do you call that? Is that is that a parapet? Was he on a parapet? Yeah, that's, that, that that sounds good. That works for me. Okay. Uh, oh, look, that tower is good. He, he's up, up real high on the castle, uh, yep. watching a red witch right away. And Sansa comes up to have a talk to him. And uh, I, I don't – there was some debate about this on the internet last week. A lot of people uh, didn't agree with my point of view that Sansa was a total fucking tool by not telling John that uh, more troops were coming. No, you're uh, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I thought I was right too, and Sansa thinks I was right too. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out because she apologizes to John and says, "Look, I should have told you that I contacted Littlefinger. I'm really sorry about that." Um, and he says, well, we're fighting a war now against a lot of enemies. we got to trust each other. Um, and then... What uh, I think they needed was having a, a scene where they acknowledge that she sent it out. She didn't get a, a response, and John decides to go ahead anyway. Um, the idea that she just sat, kind of sat on the... Now, I'm going to assume that she didn't know that Littlefinger was returning. That she sent it out, and he just said, okay, pack up, and they forgot to send the text. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, I but, don't know. <laughs> but at the very least, you should have said, I contacted him, or should I contacted him, I haven't heard from him. Um, and you said, well, I can't Well, wait. and she also could have said that I already met with him. Um, and, he, and I told him he, off. He, and he, yeah, and he offered all his troops even before the battle. Yeah. I mean, because so she made, the, even, even though she was pissed at, at Littlefinger, she made a decision uh, by sending him away without consulting uh, her brother and the rest of the generals, basically, which was yeah. was stupid, too. So there's there's a nice moment here. <laughs> I liked it with the way this scene ended, uh, where she's like, oh, by the way, we, we got a message by Raven today. It was a white raven. Winter has come. <laughs> and John looks at her and goes, well, father did tell us. <laughs> I thought that was and, a neat little moment. Fucking A, I've only had two days of summer that. vacation. Two. <laughs> and winter's already fucking here. He said it a little better than that. It was something like, uh, uh, I forget what it was, but it was a great yeah, but- line. Yeah, yeah so. it was like a father. Father always did warn us, or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then they both smile at each other. That was kind of funny because you know, Dad, the winter is coming. Uh, Just in case you were wondering if we were if we were heading into you know the end game, Act Three, whatever. This is pretty much, yeah, yeah. yep, on the horn. Um, and so from here, uh, Sansa goes off and uh, meets with Littlefinger. Uh, actually, no, she's off by the Weirwood tree. Weirwood tree? How do you pronounce that? It works. Weirwood? Whatever you say, it works. Weirwood tree, uh, where she used to pray when she was a girl. Uh, and well, if I, but walk- she, she actually says a great line, too. She goes, "That's what, uh, this is where I used to pray when I used to believe. Right. She says, I, yeah. don't, uh, I don't believe yeah. in that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and Littlefinger basically walks up on her uh, and then basically tells her that <laughs> every. Oh God, uh, he got friend zone so hard here. Um, he basically tells her that he has this picture that he can't get out of his head, and everything he do does is to try and make this picture become real. And the picture is of him sitting on the Iron Throne with Sansa next to her, next to him. Uh, and he and he he goes to kiss her, and she just kind of pushes him away and goes, "Oh, that's a nice picture." walks away. I was like, oh, damn! He got shut down hard! Oh, God, yeah, he had Brian Adams in the background playing everything I do, I do it for you. It was just... (laughs) And Littlefinger has made two mistakes, and the fact that the two mistakes have both involved Sans is what sort of makes it acceptable, because if this was any other one else, I couldn't see him doing it, right? It would be completely right. out of character. Right, right, right. right. Because he, he's and basically horny for, for the, the girls or the for women. For yeah, right. so he's and Rob so, is going to screw him up. Right, so for him to say to her, by the way, my plan is to win the fucking world, uh-huh. was a bit of a mistake. And right. and when you see the resurrection of the King of the North at the end of the, uh, the scene, um... It's clear, and some people were interpreting it differently, but to me, it was, Sansa's like, fuck, right? She's looking at Littlefinger, Littlefinger is not happy, because now John's in his way. Uh, and I think Sansa's going to have to figure out a way to stop Littlefinger. Now, do you think that, if he, yeah, if she really believes that Littlefinger's 
go, uh, really up to it. I mean, she may think that Littlefinger will fall in line, uh, it, but no, it, it, he's already said, and she knows how effective he is. Um, he's already killed one king. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think she's going to that she knows whether he's going to be good at it or not. He's going to try to get rid of John. Well, mm-hmm. and uh, at least she acknowledged earlier in the episode when John asked her if she trusts him. She said, "Only a fool trusts Littlefinger." Uh, so at least she's come that far. Uh, but here's here's the thing: when we were talking, I I use it as a transition to get into the storyline uh, about rules of succession and such, because um, we have this whole scene here uh, where we get Lady Mormont, which by the All way, right, just but, so uh, Eric, 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 before we can get into that scene, I wanted to bring up one other thing about this little finger thing that Mike said, and that was that you're thinking he's going to kill or try to eliminate Jon Snow, but I think what he's going to do, based off of in my opinion, the Chekhov's gun all season, he's trying to put things in Sansa's head that John is shouldn't be king and you should be queen. So I'm thinking he's going to try to convince Sansa to usurp John, and that this scene at the end, even though she's looking at Littlefinger as a danger, she also could be looking at Littlefinger saying, oh, I'm the rightful queen of Winterfell, and I just gave it to a bastard, and I made a mistake. Well, that's what I want to discuss, though, because I don't know if she she really gave it to him, uh, but it happened, and this whole scene with, uh, with, with Lady Mormont uh, ten-year-old girl who just fucking shames half the men in the room. <laughs> so awesome. She's like, "Yeah, you're supposed to be on the Stark side. Where were you on the battle? Oh, that's right, you weren't there. Uh, and how about you? Yeah, supposedly faithful uh, house over there. Yeah, you weren't there either, were you?" <laughs> She's just going to town on these guys, uh, and basically they all they all say, "Yeah, she's right. Uh, we fucked up. Uh, John Snow is our, our king." And here's the, here's the thing: is that they all hail John as King of the North, King of the North, King of the North, and they start chanting. Uh, and so I guess he's de facto. I don't know. You don't really elect a king, do you? But uh, he's got the support. Uh, and they're all hailing him as King of the North. But Lady Mormont says during her little speech that there stands Jon Snow, uh, and I don't care if he's a bastard. He's got Ned Stark's blood flowing through his veins, and so I'll follow him until his last day. Oh. Well, so, yeah, we later come upon some information. <laughs> but, but oh, no. All right, let's say he's not, she's, he's not Ned Stark's son, which we'll discuss in a moment. He's still a Stark. He's fifty, you know, just like everybody's fifty percent Stark. That was born from a Stark uh, of of Ned's generation. So he is a Stark, half Stark, just as Sansa's half Stark, because one's half Tully and one's half. I guess. Oh, that's. Half, I, yeah. I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. So I, I'm just gonna say what, what what's gonna happen when everybody, uh, because I mean this is a with the exception of Dorn, uh, this is a patriarchal society. So what's going to happen when they find out that it's not the father's blood, but the mother's blood? Um, oh, you mean the, the aunt's blood, actually. Right, right, right. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, the whole thing's fucked. That, and so what? I, I'm just going to say if it comes out uh, yeah. and everybody finds out about it, what's the reaction going to be? 
and that's a fair point too because will that will it matter at that point will Sansa suddenly be the a usurper or or even someone that isn't a usurper but just change everybody says don't no, we have to move to Sansa instead um what will cause a civil war in the stocks what will cause um the banner folk to bail and say oh this this is he's not a, a dead stock descendant. exactly that, that that's what i'm talking about it's it's all those things are possible i i don't know i, I don't know if if it would matter I mean, I mean the one thing he's got going is he's at least half stock no matter which one you know i mean right, he's, yeah. he's he's ned's He's, he, he has the same grandfather as Sansa, and the, that grandfather was the one that was the leader of all Starks and was murdered by uh, the Targaryen king back in the day. So, it, technically, he's in the same direct line if if by a different sibling than Ned. So I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question, Eric. I, I don't know. I mean, we're gonna learn. What, Mike? What's your opinion? What do you what do you think of all this? Do what do you think of Sansa? Did she give up her claim, or did she get sucked out of it, or do you think? And what do you think of the Bannermen and what they're gonna do if the Targaryen? You had just had a scene where it was, uh, you know, no, no, you, you be, you be in charge. Oh, no, no, you be in charge. No, no, you, you should be the one running things. No, I think you should be running things. No, no, you, it should be you. It's, no, 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 it should be you. So neither one was really like stepping up to take, um, Winterfell, right? And they, they were all being all fucking deferential, which was disgusting. It was just somebody. <laughs> um, and the people decided. And I don't right. really think that's going to be an issue. I think people were seeing the, the dirty look Sansa was giving and thinking that Sansa was giving the dirty looks to Jon Snow or to the people for supporting Jon Snow and that she suddenly went all bratty teen against, how dare they support that little bastard? Where I think it was, <laughs> I think it's, it was clear to me that she was, that she was giving the stink eye to Littlefinger. Yeah. Um, and that she's concerned for, for Jon's safety. I have a feeling one of the two of them will end up on the Iron Throne and one will be on, on um, I don't know, the Snowy Throne, whatever you call that. Um, and, and how it shakes out, I don't really know. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll still say there is a percentage chance that it could be where Littlefinger is going to be able to put continue the Chekhov's gun and try to convince Sansa and say, you're the real leader. Why are you letting this happen? What the hell? He won't. And then, she's, she's, you know, she's, she's on to him. He played yeah. his hand too, too soon. Yeah, all right, that's a fair point. Yeah, you're right. He, he screwed up where he actually said something that he shouldn't have, and he should have just kept on playing the game. And, and she, she's, she knows not to trust him now. Right. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Yep. So, um, I think that's pretty much where things are left, uh, with everybody chanting for John as King of the North here. I'm still, uh, I'm still shocked though that she gave the throne up that easily. Cause uh, technically. I don't think it, it she could, wanted the throne. She just wanted revenge on Ramsey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, let me read this little piece from, uh, Sean Fox, just in case it, it adds any perspective. Um, 
He goes, uh, the story of the North was fine up until Leanna Mormont once again stole the whole act with her brilliance, fire, and determination. Having her put to shame so many of the other men of the North was uh, hail-worthy. The actress is friggin' awesome. Her speech and her legend only grows. I mean, it is a fanboy's dream, this whole character, uh, even though it is a fanboy <laughs> character. It most certainly is also playing to the fanboys. Um, I know there was much banter about Sansa not telling John about the Knights of the Veil, but let's be honest, even if he had 100,000 men and their infallible tactics, Ramsey still would have played John and ruined any strategy they had come up with, or at least that is my way to rationalize it. Seeing Melisandre get exiled in Sansa's little chat with Baelish was nice. As you know, Baelish is, creeper, is a creeper, and now yep. entirely, and you know Sansa's rebuff will come back one way or another. Which yeah, that's a fair point. He is a say. creeper, yeah. uh, and I don't think he'll let the slight go uh, unanswered. Yeah, so interesting about this scene and the last scene we discussed, the King's Landing scene, both could have ended this episode as as the end of the, the episode. And that's what was made this episode pretty cool, is that the chanting and the Baelish look, never mind the Cersei's being, being uh, crowned, weren't, oddly weren't, the end of the episode, which was kind of surprising. I think they actually ended it week, the, with the weakest scene, but they keep on doing this all for Daenerys every friggin' episode, it seems, but we'll discuss that. Uh, any further things? Because she's North? awesome, and you suck for not loving her. Well, she is out of SO, so. But um, what what <laughs> other things, anything else about the North? Anyone? Uh, well, uh, let's finish up with Walter Frey, which is... <laughs> um, yeah, so so after everybody has all left and everything, Jamie's taken off. Uh, I think pretty much everybody has taken off. Uh, Walter Walter Frey is there by himself, waiting for his sons to show up. Uh, and he's like, "Where are my Where are my sons? They They were supposed to be here an hour ago." Uh, and the serving girl says, "Oh, well, they're right here." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And she goes, "No, no they're right here." And uh, he's like, "I," he's like looking around the room, and she goes, "No." They're right here, <laughs> pointing to the uh, the, the meal pie. he's been eating. Yeah, right, the, pie the meat pie, eating. and he opened and she opened like peels it back, and you can see I couldn't tell if it was a toe. Or it was, a I thought it was a finger. Yeah, there's a something finger with in a, there. something with a nail. So yeah, not a nipple probably. Uh, and then uh, she peels her face off to reveal that the serving girl is Arya Stark wearing a face. Uh, and she says, yeah, carving them up was kind of difficult, but it was worth it. Uh, and she goes, my name is Arya Stark, and I just want you to know that the last thing you'll see is a Stark smiling down at you as you die. Uh, and she slits his fucking throat. I, okay, I have a question, but I thought that was freaking awesome. She went full Titus on him. It was sweet. Um, so she got her revenge. What's what's Titus mean? I don't get that. Uh, Titus Andronicus, Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, he also uh, makes somebody eat their children in a meat pie. Um, ah, gotcha. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this was fucking sweet, but I do have a question. Uh, but I'll I'll let you discuss how you felt about this scene first before I ask my question. Okay. Um, um, well, um, I read 
online that people were guessing that that serving girl was Arya the entire time because she wore that headband. Okay. And I guess, I guess anybody who wears headbands is has the fake face is what they were implying. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back. Oh, and look. that's interesting. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to go back too. Yeah. So I thought that was curious and it was interesting. Yep. Um, Maybe that's how you attach them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that, and it made sense when I read that. Um, yeah, I, I guess... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought about it. I mean, I mean, I knew it was going to happen sooner or later and whatnot, but I don't know if it got the impact to me that they were trying to get. It, it appears it worked for you, Eric. Um, for me, it, it, it didn't... I don't know. It was odd. It was similar to Marjorie when she died. It, it didn't affect me as, as much as I thought it should have. And when Walter Frey was killed, it didn't affect me as much it sh- as it should have. Because um, he's a dick. <laughs> so I don't know why it, it didn't affect me. Um, I do wonder now. I have more, The thing that interested me more than, than what happened was what is going to happen next, meaning next season. Will... Well, that's the next episode. We're not going to no, talk about that tonight. No, no, but yes. will Arya head north now to Winterfell? We'll talk about that next week. So, Well, I think this finally answered the question, because we were all wondering, why is she spending so much time hanging around with Hot Pie? And now we understand why that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But... I thought that was a lame joke myself. Yeah, that's okay. My my thing is to mention hot pie every episode. But my thing is, on the one hand, this was this was the thing that I did not see coming. Uh, I I never picked up on the headband thing. Um, it's something now I'll have to keep an eye out for, like Eric said. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see that it was. I mean, until like once I got the idea that she was going, I was like, "Who the fuck is this? What's going on?" And, like, sort of right before she she revealed who it was, I was like, could it be Arya? And, you know, sure enough, because, you know, we last left her, she was still over in, 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 uh, Bravos. Bravos. You know, so she got over there using the, uh, Littlefinger Express. <laughs> and, and then there's, so there's that, and it, it just seems, I don't, you know, I, I had thought that she'd maybe turn a page and move beyond her, being subsumed by the need for vengeance. So that felt off to me. But what really seems odd is that she would kill two of his daughters. No, not his daughters, his two sons. He killed the well, two sons. It was, it was it, two sons. It was the two buffoons that were were uh, uh, trying to get the Blackfish to, to retire or, or resign or whatever you want to call it. To okay. surrender. So it was the sons. You must have misunderstood. It was Okay. It was, yeah, so it was it was warriors. It wasn't just two innocent females that had nothing to do with the battle. It still seemed a little bit more sick and twisted than I expected Arya to be. So she, so I've clearly misjudged her character, and I don't know if something happened to her, which is why the man with no name let her go. Well, I think honestly, uh, I'll tell you the truth, Mike. I think her, she's just doing the same thing as Cersei's. Her, she has this evil vengeance. And in her eyes, these people are so evil and what they did to her that she rather have them have pain, torture, and death just as Cersei's did. So she, even though they're doing it for different reasons, 
you could argue, even though it all leads to the same. Wow. So I'm not necessarily saying it's correct, but in well, her this eyes, is, this just is, as it is in Cersei's eyes, the person that did the most evil to me is going to get as much evil here, back. Here's the thing, though. Uh, I think Arya is a little more justified because uh, although, yes, Cersei was imprisoned and humiliated, um, they slaughtered most of Arya's family. Not only did they slaughter most of her family, but they actually broke uh, a, a time-honored, sacred tradition uh, of uh, providing somebody safety when they invite them to a meal in their home. Um, I don't know if they hammered that home as hard in the series as they did in the book, uh, but in, in the book it's very clear that uh, if you invite somebody into your home and offer them food, uh, you're offering them sanctuary, uh, and it is it is uh, beyond uncool to do anything to them while while you've offered them the safety of your home. Uh, so the fact that the phrase did that not only slaughtered the whole family, but did it after inviting them to be there. But does uh, Arya know that? I, I know uh, everybody. Knows that. Everybody in Westeros knows that. that, that um, oh, okay, fair enough. I remember Arya was there to watch the whole thing. She saw Rob's head uh, replaced with the wolf no, head. No, but, but she, I don't know if she knew that they were supposed to be safe in there safely because of the, all the traditions you mentioned. She just knows I, I, I think that's, uh, like like I said, I don't think they hammered it in the series like they did in the book. Uh, I mean, it's basically as well known as don't put your elbows on the table during dinner. Uh, you, you know, it's just one of those things everybody knows. But uh, if you put your elbows on the table during dinner, it doesn't mean that somebody should turn you into a meat pie. Well, that's not the same as killing your entire fucking family now, is it? <laughs> well, no, but but but, point, still, my, but my point, Eric, is that it wasn't... We don't know what these Mike two is, is doing knuckleheads did. It's yeah, it's right. a question of... of It was Walder Frey was on her list. She never said, you know, Cersei... Did she have him on her list? No, yeah, she Val, said. She, wait, Valder wait. She Frey. said. She, she said the Cersei, the Mountain, Walder Frey, the Hound, not Cersei, the Mountain, Walder Frey, Walder Frey's sons, oh, and all the even, people. She, uh, yeah, she even said Walder Frey's name earlier this season. But she not, but not his sons. Exactly. That's well, what killing I'm her sons out. was part of her revenge on him, so it all goes together. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm just saying. It still, still it still seems that her right. her her outlet for vengeance seemed. And again, the taking the time to turn them into meat pies just That's seems awesome. to be, it Mike, just, you, you, just seems out of character. You got to remember, Eric's looking at this as on board for the depravity of the show, and you're looking at it now as me how I used to look at it, which is the humanist side. No, I'm not looking at the humanist side. If this was Cersei who did it, I would go yes. If it was Ramsay who did it, I'd go yes. It's that Arya well, but, did it, but but and here's it doesn't the thing, fit Mike. your character. Here's the thing you're saying it's out of Arya's character. No, I was gonna, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say here. Uh, you're saying it's out of character, but she's been longing for revenge for the past five seasons. She went to train to be an assassin so she could get revenge. She failed her assassin training because she couldn't let go of her desire for revenge. Um, so I think it's entirely in tune with her character. Exactly. It's, it's still. I'm just saying it still seems to be taking an extra step too far. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it is okay. definitely. I, I'll agree with you on that, Mike. That it's, it's a step too far to for revenge. But when people want revenge, and you're you you have that you know evil drive in you because arguably any revenge is evil, whether you're a good person doing it or a bad person's doing it. It it, it makes 
it still seems valid because if you're a good, per- as you think, Ari, I guess is a good person. You're, you're you got to remember what these, this guy did to her family, probably worse than even Cersei or anybody else that was on her list. He, this guy was the number one person probably, uh, along with probably Ross Bolton, to be honest. And she, all she wanted, it didn't matter what happened to get that revenge because revenge was is sweet and in her eyes it was the same that's why i was trying to make a parallel with cersei's because and even though what but i, I, I just don't equate her with cersei that's what, the reason why oh i i i see your point. i'm just saying it feels out of character that's all i'm saying okay i disagree feel, feel free to disagree you can yeah, all right yeah that's fair. that's right i i i disagree for different reasons than eric eric looks at it as as out of uh, that it's not out of character, which is a fine belief, to be honest. I look at it as someone who wants revenge will do revenge and do the worst and devious revenge they can just to do the revenge, whether or not their name is Arya or Cersei's. So I, I, I'm with Eric, but di- for a different reason. Okay. That's, that's all. Uh, but my question uh, about this whole thing is where the fuck did she get that face? I, I know. Uh, I was confused too. It's like she didn't get because the there are three face. options that I've, I've I've come up with three options as to how she could have gotten that face. Uh, and uh, a is there was a serving girl there that looked like that, and she killed her and took her face, which is pretty grim. Uh, B is which, that by the way, somehow, would also out of character. <laughs> so so B is that somehow. She still has access to the faces at the House of Black and White, which would seem really weird to me, seeing that she's just like, fuck you, and took off. Uh, and the only one that actually kind of makes sense to me is that we saw in the last scene at the House of Black and White that there was this trail of blood leading up to where she put the face of the waif. And maybe that face that she used in this scene had been there, and she replaced exactly. it with the face of the waif. That's, I, that, that's my logical theory. My guess is it's that one, Eric, or she took out some random person that was in Walter Frey's castle because right. if she's this crazy or this evil or this out for vengeance, anybody that's in that castle that has anything to do with the Frey family is suspect anyway. So in her eyes, it doesn't matter if she kills them because they're all suspect. And so yeah. I could see her stealing a face from just a random person in that castle. Yeah, I I, I can see it too, uh, but it seems a little more outlandish to me than having just taken a spare face from the House of Black and White. Right. So now the question is, if we see her later, which I guess we'll discuss next week, with more faces, then then that'll be confusing, I guess. That'll be suspicious as hell. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Uh, did you have anything to add there, Mike? No, I think, uh, well, if we're still in the north, we still have two more plot lines to, co- to cover. Sam! Well, we technically, Sam. Sam, technically, Sam's not in the north, Mike. Well, well he's, he's north-ish, isn't yes. he? No, he's actually, I think he's down south of King's Landing now, isn't he? Or, or, or he's near... Isn't he near our, our the where Baelish used to live? Uh, where I gotta get a map. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't even know where the hell that place is. Old town. Well, first of all, let me say this. Um, we, we we I think we've gone the entire season without seeing anything new on the map. Right. Until um, now. no, that's the, not true. That's not true. It we wasn't saw, on the map. We saw 
Oh, it well, well, oh, you mean actually been on the map or a place we've never visited yet? What are you? No, talking? something new on the map. Something new on you mean in the, the credits, right? In the opening credits. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, did did what about Sam's house where he went to ta- the Tali house? Was that ever on the opening credits? I don't think so. Okay, but anyway, what's your point, Mark? Explain. You're saying that this was. I'm actually saying. I'm saying. The... I would have. I would have liked to see someplace new on the map for the season. I'm just that. that oh. Start with that. So oh, we. Okay. So maybe now maybe we'll see Old Town. So so, if it was there, we'd have a better idea where the hell it is. Or right. you know we could reach over a few inches and type in the Google search, uh, image search, and find out that way. Um, that would be the other possibility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, but uh, Sam shows up at the at the tower where he's going to get trained to be a maester, uh, and I just I love this interaction with I don't even know what this guy's title is. The guy at the desk when he walks in is he a librarian? Uh, What's what uh, is this guy? Uh, he's called office manager. <laughs> so Sam walks in and basically tells this guy that uh, he's been sent here to become the new maester for the for the Black Castle, uh, and they're like. Um, uh, we have uh, Lord Mormont down as uh, King of the Watch, or yeah, Lord of the Watch. He's like, yeah, well, uh, he died. And they're like, well, we got no notice from the Maester. And he's like, well, yeah, uh, the Maester got sick and died too, which is why I'm here. <laughs> it's like, well, this, this is highly irregular. Yeah, yeah. This I, I love this. I don't know who this guy is that played the librarian, but he was fucking awesome. Uh, just he just has this weird facial expression the whole time, and it's just priceless. I loved it, and um, I know I've seen it before. Right, <laughs> life is highly irregular, and yeah, it's with Sam's reply. Yeah, it's and Sam's trying to get along with the guy, and the guy's just giving him the stink eye the whole time. Uh, and then he's like, "Well, we'll discuss these irregularities with the headmaster." In the meantime, you have permission to use the library, and they start to go walking him back. The guy turns around and yells at Gillian, "No women and children!" <laughs> and Sam just kind of shrugs and walks into the library with the dude. And uh, Sam is now in nerd heaven because uh, he's just in this awesome library with all these fucking books, and it's all what he's always wanted. Including uh, I, all, all five editions of the of the Dungeon and Dragons Dungeon Master Guide. <laughs> if, if I was if I was Gilly, I would have said, "Are you coming back?" Because he didn't even say. He just said, "Like he didn't say anything." He just ran yeah. off into the library. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Like what to do?" She was like, yeah, "It was kind of interesting." I'm glad they <laughs> they 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 panned back to her, like confused and like, "What am I supposed to do?" Well, right. Yeah. So there, there were there wasn't really a whole lot in this scene. It was just to let us know that Sam made it to his final destination. Now, were you guys um, impressed with this? Li- I mean, I just looked at it and like, oh, it's just a CGI library. And and but they were trying to again. This is odd. Another scene in the in the film or the episode that kind of I think wanted me to get a certain feeling, and oddly, I didn't. I, I, other people, I'm probably sure did, but I I, I didn't. Um, the only thing I really well, maybe got you're out just a field. soulless monster, Phil. Did I you know. think about that? Well, I've, become, I've become Arya. <laughs> I think as a, I think Phil as a as a writer, you just don't have enough appreciation for books. Oh, um, well, the only thing that I really got out of the scene, honestly, was that they made sure to let us see that Sam was still carrying the sword of his family, meaning that it's going to be very important in season seven. Um, I like the fact that he was. I like that. Was he trying to hide it? Because he wasn't doing a very good job. He had it all wrapped up in fur. 
I don't know if he was just trying to protect it or if he was actually trying to hide it. If he was trying to hide it, he was doing a shitty fucking job. Well, it's it, it's <laughs> Sam. Shitty fucking job is kind of his title. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they're there now, and he's going to get trained to be a maser, hopefully. I, I, yeah, I think, uh, Phil, it wasn't so much about you directly being impressed by the books as you should have known that Sam was in Nerd Heaven. Okay, Nirvana. Yeah. Right. Um, it's pretty much his dream come true. Uh, if he had ch- if he could have chosen any fate in the universe, becoming a maester would have been it. And now it looks like that's going to happen. So he's just really happy about that. Yeah. Um, and, and except then he drops his glasses and he can't read any of the books. Oh. <laughs> different show. Um, different show. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess now he has a meaning in his life now because. From the beginning, Sam that we saw, he was this loser, nobody, whatever, and he's found. It's basically he's found his way in a sense because he's got a wife, an adopted child, and a um, now a, a goal. So, so right. to speak. Um, which leaves us with: uh, Is there anything left except? Oh, wait. well. Well, uh, yeah. we got a fucking Dorn scene, goddammit. No, 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 wait, before we get there. We got Bran. Yeah, yeah, because as you said, Sam said, life is highly irregular, and it's highly irregular because we need more Bran. So. <laughs> well, I, I don't understand. I don't, that's I don't the understand best it. stupid joke you've ever made, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I still that's don't really get it. stupid. We need yeah. more Bran, so let's go to Bran. Uh, He's talking about being irregular, and then they go to Bran. Get it? Bran. Helps keep you regular. Never mind. Oh, no, yeah, never mind. All right, yeah. I get it now. I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it was a little humorous. Though. Like it's just that. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't that good, but it was. It was bad. It was. It was bad. That's why I wanted it. it. Anyway, laugh. Um, but let me let me just read this. Uh, what um, uh, Sean Fox wrote about this scene. Uh, he goes, "The Sam story was cool. Just to see an amazing library, which must have been like being able to see the historical library." of Alexandria back before it was destroyed by religious fanatics throughout the ages. But the Sam story fell out of place and thrown in just to remind you, as everyone else is dying horribly, uh, Sam is going to get his learning on. Oh, uh, oh, and, and uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Uh, oh, and then Doran most of it. Yeah, that okay. was the purpose. That, that yeah. was that was all that was for is, hey, Sam's still around, and he's at the library now. That's all it was. Yeah, I, and to be honest, I don't think it was that bad uh, to throw it in there because what it was doing was getting Sam to his ultimate location, which now sets the story up for next season. Right, because now what they can do is fast forward in between seasons uh, and come back to uh, Sam at the library going, I understand now, I understand the secret of Valyrian steel! Right, right. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think you're right, Eric. I think now that because he landed up here, whether they could have done this maybe this scene maybe last episode or, or the episode prior the point is is now next season on episode one when they probably bring sam back he can already be a maester or almost a maester right they can do whatever they want at this point they've yeah. been fast forwarding a lot and we'll get to that later mm-hmm. so let's, let's uh, get let's get with the irregularities or regularities uh yeah, so we get Bran and Benjen, and Benjen's like, here's where I leave you. Uh, I can't take you any further. And actually, I was really happy that the scene happened uh, because 
uh, Benjamin comes out and says out loud what I was kind of trying to describe a couple of episodes ago, uh, which is that the wall is imbued with magic uh, that stops the undead from going through. Um, so he does he does say that, um, and then leaves Bran and uh, oh god, I always forget her fucking name. Amira. Mira, yeah, yeah. So, so um, it's basically we we uh, now understand that um, uh, Benjen is, uh, I guess, reborn from the dead, right? Well, I guess so, because um, he's he's not full on White Walker because the uh, the people of the forest stopped it from happening completely. But right. I guess and he's, and, not re- and, he's he's not really officially alive, alive either. Right. Yeah. So he he wasn't resurrected like like Jon Snow. Or, or or the the guy from the banners because right. if he was he could just cross the wall right right so he must be partially undead or not alive in other words now does this happen before or after he becomes one with the hallow I'm only mostly dead um what oh Mike was making the, the joke about how he was the lead actor in the in the movie the hollow it's a callback uh, to our last podcast yeah well that's a different show but okay. Um, it's a crossover reference. <laughs> to, it's, it's there to enrich the listening experience of those loyal listeners who listen to both podcasts. Okay, well, I'm sure they appreciate it. Um, so Bran then goes over to the Weirwood tree, uh, and Mira stops him for a second and says, Hey, are you ready for this? And he's like, Yo, bitch, I be the three-eyed raven. I gots to be ready for this. Um, Ooh. So... But you do not wear wigger well, I'm just going to say. <laughs> and I know it, which is why I have fun doing it. Because I am dope and fresh and not at all whack. Uh, so, <laughs> so. And you're not even doing modern. You're doing 20-year-out-of-date wigger. It's just... <laughs> uh, so he uh, has one of his visions uh, and gets to finish up at the... Uh, uh, what's the name of the tower? Um, tower oh, of Joy. Tower of Joy. Um, and basically sees the rest of the scene play out where Ned, after the battle, goes up and finds his sister up in the tower um, who confesses to him uh, that uh, her son is not Roberts. Um, and she doesn't. we don't hear her say whose it is out loud, but we all know whose it is. Um, it's, a, it's half Targaryen. Um, and she makes Ned promise to keep it a secret because if Robert finds out, he'll have it killed. And uh, then we do a fade from the baby's face uh, to Jon Snow. So I guess we're left to assume that Jon Snow is that baby, and he is half Stark and half Targaryen. Now, did, did it actually say that Targaryen was the father in this scene, or did I miss it? Because I, I mean, you I just no. You, you you don't yeah. hear her say it because she whispers yeah. it in his ear, but it's heavily implied. Right, right, yeah, okay. It was kind of stupid. They should have just told us. It's like, come on. Um, but it, but it's like you said, it's pretty much implied, and everybody knows it anyway, um, based off of the fan theories. The Jay, well, the problem uh, is that they really, have, they really haven't done a lot on the show to really lay it out. For if, Let's imagine that you're somebody sitting at home who watches the show but doesn't touch the computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would be unusual. Uh, yeah, Mike, if I could interject for one second, I think the show has 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 huge flaws in two ways. One is trying to understand where the locations are 
during the show, I mean, they made a choice at the beginning of the season not to have like little things at the bottom that says King's Landing when, you know, they go to King's Landing or something. But the other one is the history prior to, uh, season one, episode one is, hasn't been explained well at all in the show. While in the books, it's been explained quite well, I guess is what I'm told. So everybody who's a book follower understands everything that's going on while us, that haven't read the book are a little bit struggling, but continue. I think you're you're going somewhere with that. That's exactly where I'm going. I don't because they've made reference here and there, scattered references to what happened in the Tower of Joy, to who Lyanna Stark is, um, and to who Rhaegar Targaryen is. Who Lyanna Stark is is what they probably focused on the most, but that's more because Littlefinger was obsessed. Well, no, not Littlefinger. Um, uh, Robert, Robert Baratheon was obsessed with her. Uh, Littlefinger was obsessed with the sister, uh, with uh, well, and that was the reason why 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 the the Robert Baratheon became in power, right? Because he was supposed to marry the sister, and she was quote unquote kidnapped by Rhaegar Targaryen, which was the son of the Mad King Targaryen, and so that's what caused the whole revolution and what the power structure was at the beginning of the show starting, right? Right, and we really don't know much about Rhaegar Targaryen. We really don't know about the Targaryens we've met. You know, we met Viserys, and we met, obviously, Danny. We know about them, and from reputation, we know about the Mad King. They really haven't said much of anything about Rhaegar. Right. And so, for us to just, oh, well, yes, if you are looking it up online, and we now know that R plus L equals J... Right. Is the code language that the, the book people were nice enough to use for those of us who didn't read the books. Um, we now all know, know that's all true, but if you are not doing that, then you don't know what the hell that means. And now you know who Liana is, but you may not remember why she was all that important other than Rob had a thing for her. Uh, not Rob. Yeah, Rob Baratheon had a thing for her. So, yeah, I... I I'm not sure if they figured out how significant it is, if suddenly people all had to go on the computer and find it out, or if I'm just being way too nitpicky because obviously anyone watching Games of Thrones is a nerd and they're all checking it out on the computer. Well, and it could even be that it doesn't even matter that they haven't gotten into that yet uh, because I think we've all been waiting to find out who the fuck Jon Snow's mother is. We know now who Jon Snow's mother is, uh, but we know his father is not Ned Stark. Right, uh, and maybe it's okay that they didn't specifically point out who is. But but Mike has a fair point that you can you can go on with, which is what's the significance of Ned's sister being the mother? What why does that matter? Except for the fact that he's not really the fa- Ned is not really the father. Because you can if if you're not if you didn't do that research as Mike is suggesting, all you know is that oh. He just didn't want the baby to be killed by Robert Baratheon, maybe, because, or, and that's it. I mean, I don't, that's the only significance I can think of that a non-book reader would have. What I'm trying maybe. to say is I, I, I don't think it matters that we don't know the significance. They At haven't explained point. that to us yet, okay. but I don't think that means they're never going to. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. And, it's, and the idea is because she whispers it, but you can kind of hear it. That basically it's done because Robert Baratheon will kill him if he if he knows. Right. Well, well, and that was the reason. Uh, one of the, some of the the floating news out there for a while was 
that they were thinking of having a pre skip next season wouldn't be the next season and that would actually be two seasons away and next season was the one rumor was was going to be an entire flashback of that Robert's rebellion oh so, god that would piss me off so yeah, seven, I, I, seven episodes of Robert's rebellion it was one rumor that was out there and and we come back and Arya's menopausal and you know it's just <laughs> It's, yeah, I don't. Uh, so, do we have anything else to say about this? No, I think uh, I, that was about it. I, it, it. But it did kind of piss me off how artificially they just teased it and said, "All right, we've made the audience wait long enough. We're going to go look at this now." It's sort of like this is the deleted scene from episode five, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, where we reveal the scene or whatever episode that it was that they that that we showed it. So yeah. again, now I understand why they did it from a storytelling standpoint, uh-huh. um, but it just it just well why what was so important about the seeing him seeing this now? Right, right, yeah. Well, I don't think it's, it's so much importance of him seeing it now as the importance of it getting interrupted previously, uh, and also the fact that he found out that Ned reacted when he called his name. Uh, finding out that although he may be having a vision of some sort, he can also influence uh, while he's watching. Um, so, I, so I, so I don't think the delay was the importance of it. Waiting to find out until now, the importance was having the previous vision interrupted. If that makes any sense. And and you know what's interesting about that, Eric, that you brought that up is that when he rewatched the vision again this time, his interruption is now permanently part of. Of it because it happened again now and he didn't even say anything this time. He, it, but it was already part right. of, you know. So that was curious. That was kind of interesting, which demonstrates that maybe he can change time a little bit. Maybe we don't know yet, but uh, um, ooh, that could get creepy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, one other thing I, I wanted to bring up about this whole thing is, um, what happened to Ned's sister? Did did she have a cesarean? In a or or what? Because she was all bloody. It's it's basically the middle ages. She gave birth and died. Yeah, because you you couldn't tell whether or not uh, what what actually whether it was you know like Tyrion and his mother and her passing or if it was both were going to die anyway. So let's just save the baby. So let's give her a cesarean. I, you just don't know. I I don't think it's very important. Yeah, I was just curious if. if if you knew anything or, or Mike thought of anything that could have made it important, but you're right. It probably was what Mike said, which is it was the middle ages and sometimes you die. Yeah, pretty much. Cause kids ruin everything, right? Mike kind of. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> ask, ask Pycelle that and he'll tell you that for Christ's sakes. The poor bastard. Right. Right. Jesus. Uh, so, uh, we had a scene in Dorne, uh, um, but at least it was kind of funny. It was a good uh, scene. Be- I like this scene in Dorne. <laughs> I had one problem with it, and I'll explain it after Eric well, explains it. Let's talk about it. It's, yeah. uh, Lady Olena shows up, um, and basically tells all the Sand Snakes to shut the fuck up, uh, which was awesome. Um, but basically agrees to an alliance with the Sand Snakes against Cersei, uh, and then Varys wanders up, uh, to help. Um, so that's the sh- the short version of that scene. Yeah, my only issue was Elena had some balls 
to say those things, not because she doesn't have the balls to do it, but it appeared that she didn't have any arms guards there that they could have just shot her and killed her. And I thought, I don't know if anybody would have had, because they could have said, you want us to fucking kill you? And, and I could see her suddenly like going, oh, shit, I just fucked up. Well, and first so, of all, she gives a fuck. Yeah, she she's already pretty much established. She's an old woman. She's going to die soon. She doesn't really care. And this is someone who's known as the Queen of Thorns for her barbed tongue. So yeah, I don't. And and let's be honest, she was only saying what the entire audience was thinking all of last season. Right. Well, no, no, they were thinking about that. They've been thinking that ever since they were introduced. Never mind last season. Right? Well, that was when they were introduced. Oh, I see your point. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so so that happens, and uh, do you think that was on purpose by the the double D's because they know everybody hates those characters? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I'm being I, cat I attacked. They, they wanted to uh, give them some purpose uh, and and some focus for the audience to be able to at least get on board with them somewhat, uh, and I think. Uh, sending Lady Olena there to get them on board against Cersei uh, will help. It's interesting now because now this is like the real world where in the sense that... No, uh, it's not, Phil. Well, let me ask you this. Is, <laughs> in theory, we're supposed to think Daenerys is good. At least I think that's what the story's trying to imply even though we've seen... I don't know if good's the correct gray. word. Well, that's my point because now that she's joining with nefarious folk... And I'm not talking about Olena, even though you could argue that she's done some bad things too. But the whole Everybody's sand, done bad things. the sand snakes don't seem to fit and mold with what Daenerys was trying to put together, I guess. And how did the cannibal wildlings fit with Jon Snow's plans? <laughs> well, yeah, well, so yeah, but that, but that's part of Team Sansa. She gets a break for that. Uh, Sansa always gets a break for Phil, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: I don't think I don't think it matters. Uh, here's what does matter: uh, everybody hates Cersei. Uh, even Jamie's mad at her. The Sand Snakes are coming from her. Tyrells are coming from her. Uh, Daenerys is coming for her. Uh, yeah, she's pissed everybody off and everybody's converging on King's Landing to take her out. So She's like Hillary lead... Clinton and Donald Trump rolled into one. <laughs> so so I think uh, next season should be very interesting in King's Landing because uh, I think there's going to be more than one battle. Alright, uh, very well. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for Cersei's um, because everybody hates her now. Uh, I could see the I could see Jon Snow doing nothing, you know, just solidifying well, his got, power. He's, he does nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't I don't think Snow is part of this whole picture, but no, I don't have, think so either because he's fighting fucking White Walkers. Yeah, and he's just trying to solidify the North as an independent state, like like his brother wanted. But I think the issue here is I, cert- I disagree. I, I don't think that's even part of his agenda. He does not give a fuck about all that. All he cares about is Stop defending the, White the realm against the White Walkers. But I don't think he can do that without uniting the North. Right, and and the North. Oh, okay, want, and I think point. and I think he wants to save the North, and that's his real goal. Ultimately, not necessarily 
the White Walkers, even though the White Walkers just happen to be the threat of the North, and he is the North. He represents the North. He, you know, but either way, my point was is wasn't even that. My point was is that in this scenario, that the now the North is is the story that doesn't fit necessarily with the South because the South now is three armies against, impossibly even Jamie against Cersei's. Right. So even though Cersei's, as you could argue, is at her high point, even though she hit her low point because her son died, she's now at her high point. I don't know how long that could last. Even though I would love to see her win the whole battle, because <laughs> she's it would, not it, going to. I know she's not, but it would be awesome because it's unexpected, and that's what makes the show great. But I'm gathering that yeah, she's going to get be taken out probably within the next thirteen episodes. Well, yeah. there's always the there's always the chance that they just. Brandon Hodor the entire North series uh, for the for the seventh season. Oh, I see his point. I, I doubt they'll do it because you know, right? Because too many he, people he, want to see what happens he, there. But. Yeah, he's kind of sort of the lead now. I would but. agree. With that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and now Baelish and Sansa, I think, have now moved up to like lead roles as well, and if they suddenly take those three characters off the board for a whole season, it would be a little bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So, um, after that, we go to Marine, and uh, <laughs> I actually kind of like this scene in the in the pyramid with Danny, uh, where she basically tells Dario, uh, sorry, uh, you're, you're just a boy toy, and you're staying here. You're not going to Westeros. <laughs> me uh because i need to be 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 available uh for marriage for alliance uh, i need to be like, available well, to fuck random men basically <laughs> and he's like well, I, I, who are you gonna so, marry and she's like well i'm not sure <laughs> somebody hotter than you she she pretty much said that too um but the problem is is that do you think that she fucked up by banging this guy in the first place because had she not he would have just been like Grey Worm, a good uh, general that she could have took with him. Oh, oh okay. I thought you meant castrated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it matters. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's, it's in, inconsequential in the long run uh, because I don't think he's really in a position to do anything uh, to help or harm her at this point. The, the, he's the, so been whole, thrown to the side. His whole storyline means nothing now. It's kind of weird. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it's sort of her. It, you, you could, it is sort of her showing herself making a sacrifice. Um, um, so but you know what? I don't think they they made her relationship with him as strong as it's implied. In other words, I I, for, I completely forgot that. I remember that she banged him once, like two seasons ago. And that's it. They never really showed him as her lover and, you know, the guy that they, she would talk to in bed about what to do and stuff. So when it happened, it was like, again, another scene that, like, okay, maybe that, I don't think that's what they implied when they wanted me to. In other words, they didn't, I didn't feel what I think they wanted me to feel. Well, and, and this scene, I'll give you, I'll, I'll totally cop to that, too, because I've never given a fuck about that guy. Uh, I'm glad he's gone. So fuck Dario. I, I, he's useless. Um yeah. Well, she's trying, but just send him away. No, but Tyrion gives her this nice little speech where he's he's like, uh, "That's a sign of a good leader to make a personal sacrifice uh, to to be able to lead your people forward." 
Uh, and they have this whole little chat about uh, her, her being in the game now and uh, how it's dangerous and frightening and everything. Um, and she makes Tyrion the hand of the queen and gives him his official little pin, um, just like he had in King's Landing. And he really, um, I think it's it's a moment for Tyrion. Uh, and he takes a knee, uh, and I think he does so. Um, I think uh, out of all of all, of, I mean, we've seen people take a knee in front of people in this show probably dozens of times. Uh, I think this is the first one that actually meant it, because uh, you can tell when he takes a knee in front of her, he's just entirely grateful to her for taking him in and giving him this position of trust. And yet he's better than her, but because. He's unfortunately, you know, the, the, you know, running away from people and being screwed, on, uh, you know, with the short stick and all these other things. Mm-hmm. I, th- it, I think this is all he can he can do. In other words, if if it was a perfect world, he he could sit on the throne over her any day. But since it's not a perfect world, this is the best he can get. And fortunately. He he, you know, you know, he hooked hooked the, his wagon onto the right truck. Um, in hope. a sense, right. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think I don't. I'm still not convinced. I, I'm looking at this as maybe okay. This is a way they're saying okay, Daenerys isn't actually going to be bad after all. But with being Game of Thrones, I could see something happen somewhere in the next 13 episodes where it she does turn bad and he has to do something too. So it it's, it's interesting because it makes it kind of clears up something, but since it's game of Thrones, it really doesn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think she's, um, I think she'll be fine as long as she keeps listening to him. Yeah. Yeah. Then the question is what happens? You know, again, when she's without her advisor, she goes darker. Right, and well, she's lost. And, and, and some of her now advisors are going to be Sand Snakes and and even Varys. I still don't trust a hundred percent. So well, okay, oh, I, and here and here's my number one question of the entire episode. Uh, at the end of the episode, they're all uh, Danny's finally leaving Essos. She's got her fleet. She's got her army. She's got her dragons, and they're on their way to Westeros. And they show her on the boat with Tyrion and. Ferris? How the yeah. fuck did he get on that goddamn boat? Wasn't he just in Dorn? No, he was <laughs> he yeah, was I, in Dorn at the beginning of the episode. Right. Um, or, I, well, 20 minutes into the episode. The episode doesn't cover a 40-minute, or in this case, 69-minute span of life in Westeros. It's, you, you do get a bit of fast-forwarding of time here. Well, that's what I'm saying, but that's significant. Like, how much time does it take to get from Dorne to, to Marine? Well, here's the thing. We only, all we know, and these are all stories, you know, you've seen the Tarantino movie. Time is very flexible in film. You know, it's, it's how they present it. They choose to present it in terms of, of, of drama. But unless they overlap, you don't really know, uh, or we the, could just the, say that the exact is, timing of the events. So all we know is that this happens at some point after the the explosion in King's Landing because right, but, that's. But I I gotta interject though. Uh, the whole season has had 
uh, uh, Scotty beam me up moments for all the characters. The Baelish, right? The, the running yeah. joke is the Baelish thing, right? The, uh, everybody's becoming Baelish. It's just the little time. figure express, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh. So I think this is just another example of that because if this no, was and earlier it, and season, it absolutely is. But for some reason, yeah. for some reason, this struck me harsher than any of the other ones. I guess because it was within an episode rather than from one episode to the next. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. well, that's I, what really I'm struck still, me I, about it. To be honest, though, I, I the even though it wasn't in the same episode, the Greyjoy one kind of got me too because when we see Theon and his sister in Westeros, and then the next episode they're they're talking to Danny. They don't even show them show, you know landing in Essos and and going up to the front gate of the Marine and all this other stuff. And it was that kind of shook me. Well, I, I'd have to take a look at what the, the layout is. But we saw them sailing on ships. And again, travel on ships is going to go faster than traveling on foot. Right. But either way, it doesn't matter. And, it's, it's the little finger. Well, it's not. But it's you're right. And it doesn't. I, we're just, but, but go on, Mike. I'll, but yeah, I'm just, I've just been assuming all along that they've fast-forwarded time quite a bit here and there as people were traveling. Well, because nobody really gives a shit. And because when they did focus on what was going on while people were traveling back in seasons three and five, people tended to get tired and irritated or yeah. shit yeah no so i, I get that i totally get that yeah. uh, i just think up until now it's usually been in between episodes or oh. it's a little less jarring to have time pass forward like that than in, in an episode like it was in this one that's all yeah, uh, yeah that's fair that's fair uh, yeah it, and it's just yeah the, the whole season and you could even argue this one i'll i'll even throw in the gray joy one um doesn't fit with as Mike just said, seasons two for, through five, where it took, you know, eighteen episodes for a person to just travel right. from one city to the next. That that it doesn't feel right. right. It's just a little well, weird. And, and like here's and here and it's it's like this. Okay, if we had, uh, okay, if we hadn't gotten a wrap up of Arya's storyline, right? If that had happened at the beginning of this episode, her saying, "I'm Arya Stark and I'm going home to Jacques and Hagar." And then later in the same episode, seeing her assassinate Walter Frey, wouldn't that be a little more jarring than having that time in between there? Oh, a little bit. That's all I was saying. Well, and I, I and that's why I think the Greyjoy one is ridiculous because the, if you know where the Greyjoy's islands are, it's all the way up where the Mormon Island is, and they have to literally go around the whole fucking right. continent. Yeah, you're, right. you know, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Too. Yeah. So, well, I was I was yeah. willing to deal with that fast forward though to not deal with. Uh, yeah, more you know, great joy six, six episodes of people getting seasick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that basically what it is is that we're leaving Essos, and I think Essos is behind us forever and ever. Thank God, hallelujah, we'll never see it again. I I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah and even that, I I was fine with a lot of it. It's just that Danny went from, uh, what is the, the horse lands, to yeah. the magic city, whatever that place was called, yeah. um, in season two, and then she ends up in Marine in season three, yeah. and in four, season four she was in Marine, and then season five she was in Marine. You know, it's just uh, you know, at some point can we? You know, it's right. it, well, it's, 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 there, there was a lot of stalling uh, in Danny's storyline, and I that's George R. R. Martin's fault. Well, yeah. and I've and I've always said for even from the very first season. Of Game of Thrones, I've always said that I've never really liked the Danny story because it didn't fit in with everything that was going on on Westeros. All it was doing was creating a character that would eventually get to Westeros, and I wish that was only one season and not six seasons. 
Well, and I don't disagree with you. Uh, at the same time, it did serve uh, somewhat of a purpose uh, for her to. Because I mean, when this this starts out, she's pretty much a girl, right? Yeah. Uh, and her brother's selling her into marriage. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it provides some time for her to grow as a person, as a character. Uh, yep. For the dragons to grow from hatchlings into full-grown dragons, that's important. Yep. Uh, it takes time, too. So as annoying as the multi-season stall was, uh, there were some good reasons for it. Right, right. Well, hopefully it'll pay off whether she is successful or whether she becomes another Cersei's Arya type and Tyrion has to do something. Hopefully we get some good payoff. Right. I agree. Um, if the dragons burn all the ships because they're bored and they all die in the ocean, well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be predictable, but it would be a really kind of a bummer. <laughs> it would be kind of cool, but it also would be Satius wasting you, you, six you, seasons you, you on a story up, that meant nothing. I was, was going to say, you want unpredictable. How's that for unpredictable? Oh, well, no, it Dro- didn't Dro- mean nothing. Drogon gets, gets bored and torches Danny's whole fleet. <laughs> what, what do you mean means nothing? The the dragons are still going to be there. <laughs> True. Uh, now let me read uh, some stuff. Uh, the last uh, two paragraphs of the email from Sean. Uh, uh, the sequence of Daenerys was first, oh no, not again time, but her giving Tyrion the hand of the queen title and the discussion that was truly heartfelt made sense. I am still not a fan of Daenerys and Phil is right not to trust her, especially if she is siding with Dawn. But the fleet sailing to Westeros was cool, as was the flying, the dragon flying, fun as we end this season made for a good ending for now, at least. Uh, and then he says, uh, thank you again for all your hard work for reading my lengthy emails. And I must add yet another tip of the hat to you guys, as I just realized that there are fellow Canadians on the Facebook page, including the author who was co-hosted with you guys named MJ Preston, who in fact only lives 25 minutes from where I live. It is funny how small the world truly is with technology and great people like you, Phil, you, Eric, you, Mike, Abe, and Christy, too, who come into our lives every week and make them better in so many ways while adding even more great people along the way. Uh, For folks who don't know who Abe and Christy are, they are also the co-hosts of uh, Dark Discussions, Uh, just not this podcast. In this last week alone, being able to banter with several different amazing fans of Dark Discussions and You Know Nothing, Jon Snow podcasts all across the continent is truly an awesome and fun experience on Facebook. Not all podcasts are so engaging or bring so many people together as well or in such a positive way. For that, I salute you gentlemen and lady. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts and your predictions for where the path of this tale takes us next year. Thank you again, Sean Fox from St. Alberta, Alberta, Canada. P.S. Super early preemptive happy Independence Day wishes to you and your American listeners. Very cool. good. Thanks, thank Scott. you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I I, I like um, what he's had to say about Marine and, and Daenerys and stuff. Uh, um, I you know he, he pretty much obviously had the same thoughts of me, which is six seasons of of Essos was was unfortunate, but uh, I do like his idea that there still is a chance that we can't trust Daenerys and that this was a setup to make us think or to trust Daenerys because of what he did for, she did for Tyrion. And there may be a twist, but we'll find out. Well, That's trust, trust or not, you've got to admit she is pretty fucking powerful at this point. 
I and mean, that's what's who, scary. Who can who can defeat her at this point? I know, and it's somewhat scary because of it too. So because it's always good to have powerful people. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's never good to have powerful people, especially ones that are unchecked. So it's it's a little scary. It's just a little scary as well for the people of of Westeros. I think. Well, the question, right, and the the question is: Is she going to be a a cautionary tale about the corruption of power? Um, she is someone who has. You know, someone has um, her heart seems to be in the right place. She seems to have a lot of natural talent. You know, the question is: Will her, you know, like Macbeth, will her personal flaws sort of be her undoing? Or, or, or Anakin Skywalker? She could be like an Anakin Skywalker, a good person who gets corrupted on the way. All right, I just want to point out: I went Shakespeare, you went Anakin Skywalker. Stop telling me you're not a nerd. Just saying. Well, I knew I know that you you always bring back Star Wars, so I thought I'd, I'd put it in that perspective. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, but yeah, so that's that's where it's going to come out. We'll see. Right. Yeah, I mean, we'll discuss that next week in in our roundabout uh, episode of the whole season and some predictions for next season. Um, either way, uh, what did you guys think of this, this scene? I mean, obviously it was cinematography, even if it was CGI was pretty damn good. Uh, you know, the shadow of the dragon, um, over the ocean, things like that was kind of cool. But otherwise it really was besides the, the setup for making us believe that Daenerys has turned a leaf and that Tyrion, um, is now her, her hand. Uh, the last shot of the film of the season was just showing that okay, she's out of Essos. Uh, whether it was the best shot to end this episode, oh, come with, on, I- Phil, Jesus Christ! Uh, even if you don't like Danny, you got to admit that's a huge point in the story. She's she's on her way to Westeros. No, no, no. But I mean, I'm, no, I, I'm agreeing. I'm not. I'm disagreeing. But I, I don't know. I we I could see the you know a King of the North scene or. The Cersei's being crowned scene as the last scene would have could have made the episode even more powerful. Well, I don't Again, know about it's, more it's powerful. A, it's they would have worked. Yeah, that's all I meant. Yeah, you it just have you, 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 the hate's gone too far, Phil. You're too anti-Danny. Well, it seems like they this the, these guys the double D's just keep on ending every episode with Danny, and it's they, they I, do. It's because she's important. But they have they have ended the first season ended with Danny and the dragons. The second season, I think. No, how did the second season end? Well, Mike, it's not even it's not even the the finales. It's it's like almost every other episode of season six. I'll never. Well, never because mind. she gets a lot of big dramatic moments. Right, right. And I think that's I don't know if it's been as and many yet, episodes as it is that they're just the episodes that are sticking in your mind. Well, and, and th- but this wasn't as dramatic as say Cersei's or the Jon Snow scene, in my opinion. I mean, or, or they could have even ended it with with uh, J, uh, R plus L equals J as the ending scene too. That would have been pretty dramatic. It could have, but I don't know that it means as much to the audience. This is the thing they've been promising since first season, right? Which and is everybody the- loves Danny except for you. <laughs> no, I, I just don't like Essos, and I also have. They're gone from Esso, so that excuse doesn't work anymore. Well, that's my second point. I was going to say the second point is is that I've I've hooked my my wagon to to uh, Sansa and and the sooner Danny gets there, the sooner Sansa can kill them all. Awesome, let's do it. 
<laughs> there you go. See, you, you just got to look at it the right way. Yeah, you're right. You might might just made my day. <laughs> so, uh, Sansa's gonna. You're gonna see next season. You're gonna see not to spoil next week. Sansa's gonna be strangling dragons with her bare hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. True feminist power, killing the dragons with your bare hands. Sweet. By are the, the way, dragons Shonda... asexual? Are they male dragons, female dragons? Do you have any all idea? Of, all, all of Danny's dragons are male. Uh, I know this because I looked it up because I had a theory for a couple of episodes after we saw the dragons get unchained in the basement. Uh, that they were going to make a whole bunch of little dragon eggs down there. Uh, but then I found out that it's a dragon sausage fest, so that was going to happen. Yeah, and, and they are all named after males too. I think so. Yeah. It's not yeah male names. So. By the and, way, well, Sean and just, the reptilians uh, would be more of a hemi sausage. But anyway, so stupid. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> At least it is. And it's not one of those uh, those curly ones that ducks have. The uh, anyway, moving on. No, <laughs> what no about Fox? He just posted something on our Facebook page. Uh, it's it's a cover of a book: How to Run in Zigzag for Dummies, with a picture of Rick and Stark on the front. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, yeah, that's- it's that's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the show is made. Eric demented. <laughs> He's laughing. At no, the no. The show doesn't get credit for that. That's genetic. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, yeah, I, I think we are on board saying this is probably. Uh, I'm I'm putting words in both of your mouths, but I'll, I'll say it, and then you can agree or disagree. <laughs> that, <laughs> that this <laughs> is one of the best, if not the best, episode of the whole series. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I think last episode was better. Um, uh, I think it's but it was a top pretty 10. damn good. It's pretty damn good. I'll give you that. It's a, it's yeah. a top ten episode. Yeah, I'll give it top ten. Yep. Yeah, it's a top ten. Yeah, I'll still say the chicken scene is the best scene though of all time. Uh, we know you keep saying it. Oh, but that uh, speaking of the chicken, you scene... you say it. I think every episode of this show, you 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 bring up the chicken scene every single week. Well, just like uh, Mike has to bring up uh, hot pie. little pot pie, hot pie, yeah. Um, but the chicken, chicken scene, hot, chicken hot pie. There we go. We got the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Chicken hot, chicken hot, chicken hot pie. Speaking of uh, chicken man, uh, we did not get uh, him in this episode, which was interesting. Actually, two episodes now, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, as far as we know, he's headed north with the brothers without banners. So we basically introduced him. Because we're, we're killing next week's episode, because, guys. We, yeah, we introduced we're him killing, three episodes we're ago. We're next week's episode because we maybe will deal with him next year. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, plus we, got, it was, we gotta uh, save something for next week. And it was also a fan, a fanboy uh, scene to have him come back. That was awesome. He's the best. <laughs> T- team Hound, T- Team Chicken Man. Team chicken man. All right, all right. I think we need to get out of here before we talk anymore, because otherwise we're going to have absolutely jack and squat to talk about next week. That's right. So uh, folks should remember to come back next week, because there will be another episode next week, uh, which will be our season finale of You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Right, Eric? Yes, that is right. All right. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about the season finale. Uh, we'll be back to uh, give our thoughts uh, and predictions, perhaps, for next season, uh, where we think things are headed. Uh, and circle back around to anything we uh, we may have wanted to revisit about season six. 